No, 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 no! Ah! Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 283. Today we'll have a live report from the Portland Retro Gaming Expo from Tim and AJ. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. hey amazing we pushed the button and the show actually started (laughs) let's keep it rolling all right the dumpster Uh, has not started to burn yet no but i did accelerant give us a minute i did have to dump a bucket of water on the smoke pot yesterday (laughs) it was smoking too much uh let's see who we got with us today all right top left we have marco oh i'm top left yay I'm, glad to be on, here. My, on my screen you are then next over we have rick uland Howdy, folks. on top I, I missed that um next over round elbow and right side of the top row, man, we haven't seen in a long time, Rick Adams. Thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Yeah. Find any lost Coco code? Uh, not really. I not have a really? scanner so I could scan uh, in <laughs> some contracts if you want to get really bored. Yeah, I don't <laughs> are, that. are your flies still there? <laughs> now there's an in joke for you. Yes, the the flies and 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 the little uh, uh, signs next to them are still there. <laughs> we'll get Rick to explain that a little bit later for people who are watching, wondering what the heck is he talking about. <laughs> I guess I I'll wa- have to. I wonder if it has anything to do with finding the uh, lost folders and boxes behind the furnace. Nope. Uh, okay. Um, Middle row, we have L. Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the show, everyone. And Fred Provancia. Hi, everybody. All right. Next up is Ken Waters. Greetings from sunny Vancouver. And are, you, are you lying? Is it sunny? It's sunny. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> too sunny. It's sunny down, sunny down where I am too, about six hours south of him. So, wow, the one or two days a year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next over is yours truly. Hello. Oh, let me turn the volume down. <laughs> Bottom row, we have Alan, Exile in Paradise. Howdy, howdy. Camera muted to improve the panel appearance. Okay. And, and we thank all, you. Also video muted, uh, yes, David Ladd. Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to Coco Talk. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope this will be an entertaining show for you. Please sit, stay a while, and have a great day. I'm not used to low volume, David Ladd. It's kind of nice. <laughs> That's why I wasn't going to say anything about his lower volume earlier. <laughs> uh, let's see. Last but not least, we have James Diffendeffer. Hello. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's all Hello. I got. <laughs> all right. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, tell you what, do you let's do the um, game on results since that'll be a little shorter today? Oh no, I can drag here. it out. I have a button here somewhere for this. Yeah, you got a window, so don't exceed it. Get on it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oh, what? You know what? I got to share so you guys can actually see the thing. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Coco Talk Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played Fangman. We had a total of 16 players. We had Mark B with 1700, Rich N with 4925, Ken Reichard 6800, Sloopy Malibu 7100, Chris B 9525, Jim Rye 13200. Nine Finger Tom, 14,250. Nine Finger Tom's grandson, 16,975. Sabhead, 18,650. Flutterball, 32,525. Canadian Retro Things, 37,675. Shenley, 57,450. L. Curtis Boyle, 60,150. Buck Owens, 108,625. Tasman, 205,675. And the number one score this week is... Mr. Dave 6309 with 292,950. Thanks everybody that played this week, and we will see you again next week. Curtis, you're right up there. Yeah, I'm, I didn't do as well as I was hoping because I used to be pretty good at that game when I was younger, but apparently my <laughs> memory and reflexes have both been shot over the years. Wow. So, uh, pretty, how, pretty decent how do you turnout. get scores that high? Um, once you figure out the game, it's quite a bit easier to uh, be able to, yeah. Um, yeah, get it going. Although the higher levels gets really hard because you get a ton of crosses right off the start. Yeah. 
Apparently, I didn't figure out the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to give as best of an explanation last week because I knew some of the directions are a little odd, and I, I I tried to emphasize that. And I don't did I not explain it well enough, Ken? Is that no, no? You explained it good. I I because nobody uh, listened. I got it. I was not <laughs> able to play that game before I listened to you talking and read your uh, website. It would actually be really nice if anybody could ever track down a uh, manual for this game. Yeah, I, when I talked to David Crandall like 20 years ago when I got permission to you know release all of his games for free legally, including Fangman, uh, he didn't have any of the original manuals and he didn't have any original discs. He only had his old backup copies from when he was actually writing all the games and that's all like, he sent me. So he doesn't even have them. But no, well, if anybody out there has one, the, the uh, archive could really use it. It's a fun game, though. It's, it's unique. I, yeah. I have not seen anything like that on any other platform. The, the, even the gameplay mechanics type thing is, is quite different. It's it's funny. It's got the stupid Halloween puns. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's in theme with Halloween, of course. Well, how about I'll just jump right in and uh, show you a review from, uh, I believe it was November of 84, Rainbow Magazine. Now, the review started out a little weird, saying that Dracula's a good guy in this and just trying to scare off the angry villagers, but really he's killing them and turning them into bats. So yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> I say he's much of a good guy. He's um, good if you're into population control. Yes. But uh, the uh, reviewer here does say it's some of the best puns that he's seen in a while to break up the monotony of screen changes. Uh, which is true. They are some really bad and sometimes very funny puns between the screens. Um, something I did not know is that there's a timeout feature that you could uh, just press the T key and it pauses and uh, you to uh, unpause, unpause it. So yep. when you uh, get a little further in the game and you need a break, then that would have come in very handy. Um. But this reviewer really liked it. He gave it a 9 out of 10. So, And one thing I really found interesting is uh, on the same page that they uh, have the uh, review here, they've got an ad for girls only, an easy-to-use, high-resolution color designer, clothing designer program you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a program I've seen in person. And Wait, it's not in the archives? Holy cow. <laughs> and, and they this, wouldn't write ad copy like that today. No, well, they would not. I, I find it really weird because even back then, some of the top clothing designers were men. So, Yeah. But it's it's a way to get girls into liking computers, it says. Make it about clothing. And yeah, see how well it worked. <laughs> see how well it worked. See all the women on our panel today. I mean, oh yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> anyway, so uh, a definite positive uh, review of the game. There. Do you think uh, Amy and Taylor might have seen this? The game, the the ad, or the yeah. game? Either. I, yeah, I, I, I would say probably not. I don't think they've gone through all the old rainbows. No. Um, no. But they will have now seen it. <laughs> um, 
We'll have to ask him about it later. Yeah. <laughs> their next thing they make will probably have their um, new designs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, our game on live did not work because Restream decided to take a dirt nap while we were playing Dracula. So um, we don't have, we didn't play live. We just played in Discord this week on Thursday night. So um, the only footage I have of the game was posted by our very own Buck Owens. Yeah, I think I Retro Game Lord has a, a brief clip of it too. So yeah. it's years old. So, well, this is uh, Buck playing this week. So thought I'd show this. So. Now, um, let's talk about uh, tips and tricks for this game. As Curtis had been saying uh, before, the idea of the game is to uh, trap the humans between um, yourself and the bat. And then, uh, I guess, kill them, turn them into vampire bats themselves. Yeah, so they become your minions. turning them into uh, vampires as well. Um. And uh, every time you ki kill all the people on the screen, you get a free man. If you do that before the time runs out. Uh, so it's a good way on the early levels to really bring up your uh, number of men. Did I see that wrong? Or the previous uh, previous two ones that you showed, he actually ate the Blue Cross and didn't um, die from it? Yeah, yeah, if, if you you're turn inverted, yourself, if you use the power up. Yeah, if you turn yourself inverted by holding the fire button down for about two or three seconds. Oh, that's uh, why it looks weird. Yeah, you invert yourself and you can eat three crosses, but you cannot eat the sun. Yeah, and you can only eat three crosses once per level. So yeah. use it sparingly. And uh, yeah, so tips and tricks well if you've got a bat chasing somebody try to get around the screen to the other side of somewhere they're going to be hurting them towards you so yeah meet him meet him in the middle <laughs> also if you have little dead ends if you can corral a human into there you can get them yourself you don't even need the bats help at that point yeah and if the if the humans get trapped between two bats then the bats will hold them in place which is helpful or the bats will hold them into one of the little alcoves so then they're just easy pickings those ones yeah now as we mentioned last time basically if, if two humans cross paths like cross over each other it forms a cross which is deadly to you unless you're inverted um, and if two bats cross paths you'll get a little coffin which is worth bonus points for you so you can kind of once you get a fair number of bats as you get into later levels You'll start seeing a lot of these things. It's worth a, you know, a fair bit of bonus points if you're going for score. Um, won't really help you in the long run, like solve a level. But And there we can see you just had a bat trapped. And the yeah. sun basically will just wander around randomly until he's got a direct line of sight to you. And then he'll track you down. So you can actually lure the sun around. And the sun will occasionally destroy crosses. So that's one way to try to clear it out. If you can lure the sun up to... A path where you got a bunch of crosses you want to get rid of and you've already used your power up or there's more than three and you couldn't do it anyway. The sun will take out some of them as it's going across, but not all of them. As I, Is it remember. not all of them or is it just that there's multiple crosses in one spot? I think it's not all of them, but you could be right. I'm not sure. 
because I've point. noticed like sometimes when when the usually the sun will destroy it if it's just a random cross out in the middle of nowhere. But if it's in an area where a bunch of the guys have been crossing a whole bunch, then the sun has to go over it two or three times. So I'm just wondering oh, if it's that it's I didn't multiple that. crosses. And basically, I think there's what there's eight mazes, and then you kind of cycle through them as you're yeah. going, and you get more and more men and more and more crosses that show up right at the start of the level. So that's where the difficulty comes in. I think it's the same number of crosses that show up, but immediately, like if there's ten guys on the screen, immediately they're all crossing each other because they all start in the same spot. So they just create a whack of crosses right off the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, definitely a different mechanic in having to uh, herd people towards you. Um, we we're talking about how it might be uh, fun if they updated this game to that somebody could control one of the bats, so you could do a two-player game. Hmm. Yeah, cooperative. Yeah, it'd have to be a little bit harder though, because I know people like I when I used to play this game a fair bit when I was younger, I got quite good at it. I've seen some other people do it too. I think Allison Denu actually is really good at this one, if I remember correctly. Uh, but basically, if you get good enough at it, you can literally play forever. Like you only stop because you're bored. Yeah. So, so you'd have to make it a little bit more difficult because two people cooperative would be even easier. So you'd want to, uh, you know, make the game a bit more difficult in some other way. So you, so you said you can't eat the sun, right? No. Right. Right. Because it, uh, I imagine, because it would give you heartburn. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or much too much of a tan. <laughs> And actually, another thing, when you're inverted, if you uh, even if you haven't eaten three crosses, if you kill a person, you automatically turn back. Yep, that's right. So, um, yeah, don't waste it uh, by uh, killing a getting a cross and then uh, eating a person right away because then you've only used it on one cross. So, try to get three crosses before you kill anybody. Yeah. Or the other trick the, I think uh, you noticed, Ken, if I remember correctly, was uh, basically it's it, it you're always moving most of the time. Like you yeah. you don't have a middle where you put the joystick in the middle. You'll just pause. You'll just switch direction once you hit the middle. But yeah. if you hold down the button, you can stop. Yeah. But you can't really do that at the beginning when you still have your inverting because then you'll invert yourself and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I don't know how to, how to qualify this. It's kind of a maze game, but it's also a strategy game plus some arcade elements. And Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of got kind it of all. I, out of all of David Crandall's games, and he's done, I don't know, nine or ten, I think, um, I'd have to say this is probably my favorite of the whole batch. It's, yeah, as a couple of people said, I mean, this has now got to be a, a Halloween staple for... Yeah, I will be honest. I always preferred this one to Poltergeist. It just has much more replayability. Well, unfortunately, we're uh, quite limited on the number of Halloween-themed games that the color computer has. So, <laughs> yeah, what I mean, there's Halloween... adventure games like Night of the Living Dead. I guess uh, we could play. But... Yeah, ah, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'd be a good one. So, in the chat, there's a question uh, from Jim Rise: or maximum number of extra lives? I don't know. I'm trying to remember if, if if you go past the edge of the screen there, if it actually keeps storing more or if it cuts it off. I can't remember now. It's been so long since I was good at this game. 
we need to ask Mr. Dave. Well, Mr. Dave's out in the audience, so he's he's the resident expert this, right now. So yeah, Hammer Taz, man, they they both did pretty good. That's what my what yeah. they had for scores is what I used to be able to get regularly. But I've forgotten a lot of the techniques, and I'm just old and slow. That was a nice 16k game. Um, I don't know, like some atomic stuff got ported the dragon. I don't remember if this is one of the ones that got ported over there. Uh, the inverting would work on a PAL, even though you'd lose color. The bricks, of course, would look really weird with that kind of frayed vertical striping thing. But yeah, I, think I think this think, game um, would be fully playable on a on a dragon. Like there's nothing where the color between red and blue matters to you. If you look, uh, Nine Finger Tom's uh, scores that he posted were all uh, the without the um, color, so they were all the stripey. Oh, okay. Because of the setup he has, he doesn't... I'm not sure. And since it's joystick-based, I imagine you wouldn't even have to change anything if there's not already a Dragon version of this. So that'd be a pretty good one for the, the UK yeah. Dragon people to get to. It would be. And, uh, yeah, I did find, actually... Um, if you're on one of the levels where you got a lot of vampire bats, you can get a lot of uh, coffins, mm -hmm. but it's actually worth more to uh, just finish the gate, the screen quicker because the coffins are only worth 25 points and the uh, bonus is worth, well, the actual number of the bonus. So, and it's going down by a hundred points each time and you're not going to get four coffins very often in the time that it takes to tick down one time for the bonus. So yeah, they pretty well all have to be in a row for that to happen. Yeah. So if you're going for points, actually uh, doing the. Um, trying to do it as fast as you can. Collect, yeah. Get, do it fast rather than collecting coffins. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you still got that one or two humans, that's kind of hiding out in crossland or something like that. then uh, yeah. You might as well get the points while you're at it. Yeah. And your timer, and your bonus timer often. keeps going up for each level too. So it starts pretty low. I think it's around what is it 2,500, 3,000? So like, oh, it's less than that. I think the first level is like 500 or 600 or something when you only have one guy to kill. Oh, I thought it was more than that, but could be. But basically, it goes up and up. So you have more and more time to try to, to win the level. So it, yeah. it's, it's actually fair that way. It's, it seems to be, uh, by the number of uh, guys you've got on stage or on the screen to catch the bonus is oh no oh, i see uh, aj there and and tim we should probably switch over live to the portland okay, retro we'll go gaming live to expo that, and then uh, when we get back we will see what the game for next week is going to be uh tim you're uh -huh. muted we we I'm see your so mouth moving but no speech i'm so sorry for interrupting uh, you should you be tim <laughs> Ken, can you unshare? Oh, sorry. No, I'm not going to unshare. Can you all hear me? Yep. Yep. Ah, hey. Well, we're having a wonderful show. It's super busy out here. If you uh, if you spotlight AJ, she'll. Um... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk around and show off the show. <laughs> oh, oh, everybody! This is our other brother. <laughs> You might, might as well zoom in. AJ's if she's showing the show floor there, Mark. The shy one. We, we all know what, what Tim looks doing? like. <laughs> he doesn't want 
want anybody to see him. All right. Look here's a, look at this show is so busy. Wow, that's pretty big too. Yeah, just, yeah. Holy cow. It's huge. I'll take. I'm gonna go over. I I haven't been to the um, arcade yet. I'm gonna walk over there. <laughs> yeah, the arcade's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm jealous. I want to be there. <laughs> if anyone gets seasick with me walking around, tell me. <laughs> that is a big venue. Holy cow. That's 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 must be getting close to VCF size for one of their halls, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah they they, got... go ahead, Jay. I was gonna say, I think they've taken up three halls. Oh, that is a VCF size show, then, like VCF. Mm. West. Let me tell you, the, the show was canceled for two years in a row, so there's a really pent up, uh, there's really pent up for this, uh, for this show. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine, yeah. Hi, wonder, guys. How, wonder how many visitors they get. I would say at least a couple thousand, maybe. <clears throat> oh, they're they're gonna. I'm sure they're gonna do ten thousand this year. Ten thousand. Okay. All right. Yeah, I believe it. Wow. That's a fair bit bigger than VCF Midwest because I think that's only a couple thousand, isn't it? So all the video games are on free play, so you just have to buy an admission. Look at all this wonderful pinball pinball machines. They got a bar in there and uh, DJs. <laughs> How long has the show been going on, Tim? Do you know? Uh, for about fifteen years. No wonder you moved up there. Yeah, yeah, we got our. <laughs> so we're having a great time promoting our show uh, and uh, just meeting everybody out here. Uh, wanted to give you guys a glimpse of uh, of what's going on up in Portland. If if anybody's near Portland, come come on down. You have a fun time. What, what are the hours for today and tomorrow? It goes uh, uh, till 5 uh, p.m. tonight, and it goes 9 to 5 tomorrow. Okay, because I thought I saw on the website there's some seminars or something going on until 10 or something? Yeah, there are seminars that go a little bit further, but they close the uh, the commerce section down early. I'm not sure why. Oh, okay. The, the arcade and the, um, the uh, uh, seminars go later. I think I'd probably spend most of my time in the arcade. Holy cow, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's full, a full of stuff, of game, all every game you want. Yeah. Now, I know you guys were posting that you guys wanted uh, to be challenged by, you know, people wandering the floor to play against the two of you on some games. Has that happened yet? Nope, nobody's challenged me. Actually, <laughs> I, I, actually that's not true. Yesterday during setup uh, at the at the Intellivision booth, uh, I was challenged to Intellivision baseball, and my ass my ass was handed to me. <laughs> that, that guy was amazing. A living room, and they're playing Atari <clears throat> on AstroTurf <laughs> with the big green TV. That. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, and there's there's the um, uh, beer brewery over there in the background. Craft Brew, Portland's best. Well, We'll be hitting them later, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so there's another uh, My Drunk Sibling episode coming out of this too, then, you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. We we snuck in contraband, so we actually have other ways to get <laughs> Are you saying the alcohol content is too low in these beers you had to bring in your own moonshine, or what are you saying? 
Exactly. Uh, yeah, you, you nailed it. <laughs> well, that's okay. The Diet Dr. Pepper two-liter bottles, sometimes some of those come with 20% uh, um, AJ, rum turn, mixed AJ, in them when they the come right. in. AJ, turn to the what, right. What? what? Almost behind you. I want to I wanna, I wanna spotlight something. All right, see those guys oh, the, sitting with the, the lights? Just... And that's classic. That's a classic Tetris uh, competition going on right now. So okay. Really Top-level players. Do they have like a lot of cooperative games where people are playing against each other, like a big line of Doom or something like that, or Quake? You know, cooperatively, what you want to look for, AJ, is called Killer Queen. Oh, I just passed it. Have you guys ever heard of Killer Queen? Right here. I've heard the song by uh, Queen. Yeah. So here's, the, a, here's their booth. There's their booth. There's a uh, there's a game out there called Killer Queen. It's eight people at a time. There's there's the console right there. Uh, usually a bar will buy them, and now people will set up leagues to you know four on four to play each other. It's 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 really really fun. There's it's there's not widely game. known, but it's great. There's there's four four people playing right now on two consoles. Yeah, you can see they have. Oh my gosh, is that six or eight stand up arcades? Yeah, it's a really fun game. They have six, I think. I've not seen that before. That's interesting. Yeah, instead of bowling, people get together and do this. <laughs> <laughs> now, are, are the two of you planning any live streaming yourselves from the show that we yes. should know like what time you're on to watch you on <clears throat> YouTube or something? Yes, uh, we have a live stream later today at 2 Pacific. And then tomorrow we'll have a live stream at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. And just go to my drunk sibling. What time do you say today? Um, two? Two. Okay. And Pacific time. Yeah, Pacific time. So that'd be 5, 5 p.m. Stevie time. <laughs> Three and a half hours from now. Three and a half hours from now, we'll be doing a stream. Otherwise, we're uh, just interacting with the people walking by. So you're going to be yeah. stepping on the uh, the uh, end of Coco Talk when uh, Curtis is just doing the news. <laughs> oh, no, not today. Mark Mark's kicking me out early. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, what we're going to do in television first. So it's uh, it's it's not going to conflict at all. Now, have you had anybody actually come up to the booth and recognize your show yet? Or uh, no, no, nobody has recognized us yet. And you were supposed to be there to help with that. Uh, we we're here to get subscribers oh. today. So anybody uh, hasn't subscribed yet, please do. Step out there, but do you have the Dino Wars? Uh, yeah, the Dino Wars banner. That's what I was waiting to see here. I forgot to email them to set it up, and they didn't have a space for it. I couldn't set it up. So I'm disappointed in myself. See, well, make sure you bring it down to Coco Fest because a bunch of people want to get their picture taken with it again. So absolutely. Well, um, we'll get that. We'll get that down to Coco Fest. That'll that is that's a no brainer. And AJ, of course, has to do her dinosaur dance in front of it, like she did on the <laughs> the show yesterday. Ah! The dinosaur dance. <laughs> when I was editing that episode, I had no idea what she was doing. <laughs> of course, I, I didn't turn around to look, so I didn't. <laughs> you know, everyone calls it a dance, but I was trying to be a dinosaur. Just call it the dinosaur dance, and we're all right. 
you were a dancing dinosaur. My grandmother <laughs> has better camera work than you do. Rockin' Rex. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get it all in. Here, I'll slow pan. Slow. Yeah, slow pan. Slow. Slow. That, that is a much bigger show than I was thinking in my own head, I guess. I'm not familiar with it. So, but yeah. that, I don't know if it was going to be that big. I would have definitely tried harder to make it down there. Oh, you still got tomorrow, you know. Yeah. I don't have any winter tires on my car, though. You're on the West Coast. What do you need winter tires for? It's the law oh, to go no, through the no. mountains right now. Yeah. Oh, is it? Portland, Portland uh, during the winter, people switch to studded tires. As of consoles, October 1st, consoles, consoles. There are there's a no, lot no, of comers. No cocos, no cocos. You haven't seen any cocos? No. I, I, should, I should get one of mine out. Good, you brought some. Oh yeah. Really blow should, the money. You should put Fang Man on it and have it kind of Halloween, Halloween theme there. What's that? Oh, you're you looking at the. Or load up some of the transcodes. <sighs> ah, well, we. I have a, a name system for that. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not nearly as impressive if you're not playing it on a uh, on the 40, 40 year old machine. Computer. I certainly understand that. I, I just wonder, like at a show like this, like this is definitely game oriented as opposed to computer oriented. I don't know would the people there, Tim, from what you've seen, have the technical background to you know understand an eight bit versus sixteen bit, or is it more just about the gameplay and like where Zelda came from type thing? Well, you know, you you it. it you got your you got your technical people and you got your game players. There are a lot of programmers here. Um, where it's it's just a lot of fun. Okay, so it's a good mix of everybody then. Yeah, it's a really good mix. Yeah, but I what? agree. A lot of nerd talk going on that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's the bar, so you're fine. Right. Exactly. Nerd. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh yes and you said this is only one of three halls there's one uh, hall of arcade well, there's one heart of commerce and one hall of uh speeches um presentations okay so probably that so, on the other side of those walls are probably the speech the, the speech section yeah there's you guys you're really uh, missing out on coming out here. You better be here next year. I'm definitely planning on that. <laughs> yeah, this looks like right up your alley also, for your channel, Ken. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, AJ. I, I was going to say, also, um, uh, Tim and I have booked our flights and our hotel for Coco Fest, so we're definitely coming. As long as he's booked the banner, the Dino Wars banner, you know. No, that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, bring the back. You're on the ball. I usually uh, book flights. About, He's gonna have to ship that ahead of time. Yeah, about like a month beforehand. <laughs> Say hi. Top in Curtis's car. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're scared off after your report from the last time. <laughs> that's funny because I've driven through. Seattle, Portland, down to Petaluma in January. I never had got talk, told I had to put winter tires on. Maybe well, they saw my plates and just figured BC, I already know how to can. drive in the winter. 
can't leave the Vancouver proper without having uh, winter tires on because they will stop you, tow your vehicle to the nearest backwoods. Uh, um, Jeez, I've done that trip multiple that, uh, times. I've never had that. Yeah, they're they're How quite plushies. They're they're a lot uh, stricter on that now. Okay, I'll have to remember that. Well, uh, AJ, how much longer do you want to do that? <laughs> I'm headed. I'm headed back now. I'm just giving a final preview of the last row that I think I went through. Yeah, we have to see a good zoom up of your own booth there and see what all you have yeah. set up there. Oh yeah, I'll look oh. pretty. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Yeah, traffic around here is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Not just game game room traffic, but Portland traffic. Yeah, I'm surprised about how many artists are here um, selling original creations that are really quite good. There's the NBA Jam uh, announcer. Yeah. Yep, that was him. <laughs> Sorry to swing around so fast and make everybody dizzy. There's another guy who drew the, um, um, never mind. <laughs> Not so much dizzy as a blur. <laughs> yeah, AJ, really. <laughs> Try to keep it smooth. Sorry. I'm trying or, to get back to Yeah, the geez, AJ, you should hey. fire your camera operator. <laughs> well, Shaky cam at its finest. AJ, you move like you move like that, and uh, you uh, like the dinosaur. Yeah, even you know. the cell signal can't like the keep dinosaur? up with you. All right, well, that's the report from uh, Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Uh, My gosh, you got to go through your booth first. Oh well. Yeah, show us your booth. Here's the booth. Here's the booth. Okay, we got the TV. Uh, it doesn't have anything on it yet, but that's where we're going to play. So uh, do you have chairs set up for people to come and compete against you there too? or? Yeah, I got a yeah. chair right here for anybody who wants to play. Yep. And we got our T-shirts for sale up there. And uh, there's there's Tim. Uh, I noticed a poster. Yeah, I got the Coco, Coco poster. poster. You're so disorganized, you have no idea when you go live. Oh, you're live now. I, I am live now. <laughs> yeah, Charles, this is picking up your voice. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, all, what all consoles did you guys bring down to play games on i brought the intelligition the atari the coco one the coco two and the coco three and the coco's up there. Oh, i got yeah i got a coco right there let's see let's see yay, yay. yay. probably the only one at the show all right take a card go go do like and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the same poster I've got on my wall here. Oh, yeah, I sent you one. How do you like it? Oh, yeah, it's, I'm looking at it right now. Up on my wall. Yeah, it looks like AJ's video is uh, gone. Yeah, I imagine bandwidth is getting hammered in there, so. Yeah, the, the nerd density is pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. So, a quick question for you, Tim and AJ. You've got three planned live streams. Is it going to be a different console, each one? We're live. Yes, uh, in television. Color computer and Atari. 
Okay, so color computer, you are planning on having it. Is that the one tomorrow morning? Or? We just never yeah, bought it yet. The color computer will be um, uh, Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And do you have a certain plan games or do you take requests or how does that work? Yeah. Oh, it's on the radar just, for uh, future future episodes as, as soon as we can acquire <laughs> our own console. Well, this is premium price. We're looking for a deal. Business online. What? Mute. Oh. <laughs> you guys don't love my talk talking to the um, fans? <laughs> the art of the deal. I don't know. How, oh, mute. Now, <laughs> now you're muted. Anyway, sorry, Tim. What were you saying about the? How do you guys select the games, or are they pre-selected? How does that work? No, uh, whatever. I oh, for the Intellivision, uh, there's a bunch of new releases uh, being debuted at the show, and some of them are really good. Um, for the Coco, um, uh, might do color baseball because I got a baseball feel right now, and I know I can beat her. Uh, <laughs> Revenge for Dino Wars, huh? <laughs> Man, what did I do wrong with Dino Wars? Why, why didn't that work? That was a star. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's the game's fault. Oh, man. No, it's <laughs> your fault. It's, it's the, it was the controller. Don't tell AJ I said that. It, it, the uh, well, not controller the human interface. The <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad we did that one. That was so much fun. All right, I'm going to send it back to you, Curtis. Have a great show. Yeah, you too. And uh, hopefully some fans will be out there that have actually seen the show before and come and say hi. Yeah, it'd be fun. Uh, over and out. We'll leave uh, Zoom right now. Okay. Later, right, thanks for Have a good one, Jim. Bye. Wow, that was a big show. All right. Come yeah, back. that was much bigger than I was expecting. I really had no idea how big it was. Oh, we're still looking at AJ. Oh. <laughs> so that's cool. They're doing multiple consoles. The Coco's on for tomorrow morning. Sounds like color baseball will probably be the, the head-to-head. So people can join in that 10.30 a.m. East or Pacific time, which would be 1.30 p.m. Stevie time, Eastern. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Looks like a really fun show. You'd think they'd want to play donuts, you know? Now, has anybody here on the panel been to that particular show before? Like, Mark, you're not too far from there either, are you? No, I've never made it up there. I'm always Something always seems to come up. I just got back from vacation, and I have a sound gig I have to run tonight. So, <laughs> not going this year either. Mark, I'm pretty sure you, Nick Morenis won't be there, but... Uh, you, you don't make uh, your um, vacation, um, like, computer-oriented, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do, but it was you know my second anniversary, so the wife went oh, out of town and yeah. we went a different direction. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the the wife above going to things like the gaming festival. Jeez, I'm putting in well, ink this next year. Oh, hopefully, I'll the be, wife will be as, the around as long as your com computers are. Hope you, you picked the wrong time of year to get married. They interfered with uh, exactly. the convention. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that always goes over well with a fiance. You know, can we postpone the wedding? I got Coco Fest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. We well, we still have to announce the next week's game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, flip back to that. Okay. Well, um, I guess we, that's me. So we fix. 
we unfortunately <laughs> don't have a lot of Halloween games to choose from. But uh, yeah, most most with, other ones I know of are adventure games. There's Vampire yeah. by Aardvark. There's Night of the Living Dead. I can't remember who made that yeah. one. There's a bunch of those. But, but. we've got a new um, Halloween themed game of a game that we've done before. So we're going to revisit that the Halloween version of it. And if anybody uh, recognizes this, I sure do. Sure, Shoemaker. And you're showing the Coco Three or Coco VGA version right now. I am. Which. Uh, I don't know, one of them. Uh, Coco 3. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that, yeah, of course... Both versions now actually coming up in the news here. So. Yeah, that, of course, is Ghost Rush Halloween Edition. So uh, we will... Uh, and also, isn't that being played in year at the Europe thing this... Yeah, the right Dragon 40th Dragon? anniversary. They are doing the brand new release, which we're getting to the game on news here, the, the Dragon 3264 version of Ghost Rush Halloween Edition 2022. Is their official game for the um, the show, the 40th so anniversary you can, of the Dragon? You can, um, if you are in the Dragon community and you're going to be playing that at the show, you can submit those scores to our high score challenge. Yep. Yeah, because it's at the core, it's the same game, just different graphics modes, etc. So, yep. Will there be a giveaway? Not that I know of. No. Okay. <laughs> Not unless you're donating something from your grad run. I see there's a picture of candy corn on the uh, title page. So so there is an element of horror involved. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you people have against candy corn? Candy corn is awesome. Uh, I bought some candy corn and my kids ate it up in like half a day. Um, yeah. I, I'm day. surprised. I, I admire the mm. restraint is what I would say. High fructose <laughs> corn syrup. Mm. Was it hard getting to the bathroom after that? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, decided to do that game in conjunction with the 40th anniversary uh, Dragon Festival. So then yeah, people, which we should be getting Dragon a live Festival. report from them next week too. Hopefully, some people playing Ghost Rush Halloween Edition, Dragon Edition. I like the candy bar myself. I, I will mention. Well, actually, I'll, I'll wait till the uh, game on news here when we cover it. But there's a, a bit of uniqueness to the Dragon version that's different than the Coco One, Two, or Three version. Is there an MC10 version yet? Uh, there is a ghost rush. I don't know if there's the Halloween one. I know it's being worked on. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure whether the MC 10 had been ported to the MC 10 yet, but you can play this one on Coco one, two, three or MC 10. So I want to yeah. see it. They're not MC 10. The... Sorry. Dragon Coco one, right. two, three or dragon. I want to see it ported to the pocket computer. Absolutely. <laughs> Get yeah. on that, Fred. Move the dot to the next dot to the next dot. <laughs> How about the Model now, 100? Port it to the Model 100. Yeah. That probably could handle it, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Dave, Dave Veery, Dave, Mr. Dave609, is saying Gunstar is a horror game. That's just because he sucks at it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider... I guess it is kind of a horror game in the later levels, I think, Nick, from the, uh, you know, the place where all the humans are getting processed to be food. Well, sort Wait, of. What later, yeah. Gunstar has later <laughs> levels? <laughs> <laughs> that's the horror of it people never get to see the later levels there are levels <laughs> nick have There's you more than just level one nick have you considered making any of your games a new version you know like for a like a holiday theme um, or halloween or christmas yeah. or something no 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 once they're done they're done i'm on to the next one <laughs> 
Come on, just try uh, make zero hour with the guy wearing a Santa suit. So it's Santa saving the world. No, no pumpkin <laughs> dilemma. No, no. <laughs> oh man, that, that would be cool. <laughs> pumpkin, pumpkins, pumpkin pies rather than donuts. Yeah. <laughs> pumpkin fall. Turkey's cha- turkey's trying to kill you. Donut dilemma with candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> Then when you buy the game, you get a bag of it. And there's always Nightmare Highways. Yeah, or Robot Nightmare now as well. Or Pumpkin yeah, Nightmare. Try the one, Rick, or... Rick Adams? Oh, you're muted. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Have you had a chance to try uh, Ken's new game, uh, Robot Nightmare? Uh, no, I have not. It took me a long time to play... Uh, 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 Nightmare Highway. Also, I had to finally. Well, you were busy writing a song and all, so. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're waiting for the uh, robot nightmare song. With all well, these I'm, new games, I've already, you, I've already to told him it. that. Uh, yeah, I've already told him I will. Uh, you can you can put my review of your game on. Uh, on uh, basically, I told him I will not be writing a song about this one. <laughs> and told them you can put that in your ads if you want. Just sort of a palette swap, robot nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it for the game on. So, oh, ready for some game on news? Yeah, I can go straight into it if you wish, or you yeah. can play a little intro thingy if you want. Yeah, how about how about the regular news intro? From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Cardinal. Muppet News Flash. Okay, go ahead. Okay, let's get that share going. And let's go run downstairs. Hey, you guys can see that? Mm, yep. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. So the first one is a, a reminder that uh, Paul Thayer, known as Redbeard on our Discord, is looking for testers for his upcoming Coco 3 game, Coco Bon. Um, please contact him as Redbeard on the Coco Discord on Facebook or Facebook Messenger. And he also has now added his email address for those that don't use those uh, social services. So uh, paul.g dot thayer t-h-a-y-e-r at gmail.com and he's basically looking for testers to see if the level order is in you know the proper order of difficulty type thing he's also he wants some stuff to be discoverable or you're gonna have to figure out what certain new things are and your only wants to make sure that's not pushing it a bit too far and being a bit too difficult and also just you know trying to find a few bugs here and there too so he's pretty close to having the game ready um, I did play the uh, little intro video last week. I know there's a few people here on the panel that weren't on last week that may not have seen it. Um, it's only a one-minute video, so I think I'll just play it, and then people can see whether they want to try to join his uh, testing program. So here we go.
anyway, that's the video. So if you're interested in that kind of game, it's uh, at first glance, it looks like Sokoban, which, of course, we've got multiple versions of on the Coco. Uh, but this goes a far, far beyond that with a bunch of arcade elements and bonus squares and deflectible lasers that have to unlock doors and keys you have to get and all kinds of things. So there's a lot more to it. It's actually kind of fun. I've done a little bit of beta testing on it myself. Um, if, if you like uh, Sokoban, you'll really like this because it's, it's it's there's much more to it. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's Coco 3 required, 128K. So, uh, Rick Adams, since I don't think you've seen it before, uh, just wondering what you what's your first opinion seeing it for the first time? Oh. <laughs> uh, my first opinion is uh, I wish I could have done a soundtrack like that for The Last Ninja. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> The Last Ninja was uh, declared it had to be on OS 9. And OS 9 is good for many, many things, but it wasn't good for that. Uh, no. For you know, for that sort of a game, that sort of a game, yes. The soundtrack at the same time that would have sounded equally good as that or better, no, it can't do that. So, uh, yeah. if they had uh, not had it be for OS nine, well, I probably I still would have burned out. But uh, uh, the sound, the soundtrack would have been nicer. So yeah, yeah that, those are my thoughts. Well, the big regret I have that uh, Tandy never like they had the sound speech back out and it did not work at two megahertz. So, and it's a fairly easy hardware mod to fix that. If they had just updated it for the Coco 3 and started selling that, because their OS 9 drivers were already done, and the yeah. speech part was supported, the sound part was supported, they could have actually kicked it up to 2 megahertz, and then you could have, you know, just made that a requirement for this kind of thing. Sure. Yep. Yeah, too bad. They didn't really understand that, well, it just wasn't possible. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hit him up. Uh, as we mentioned, you can get a hold of him on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, the Coco Discord, and also by email at paul.g.thayer at gmail.com. And also, I want to add that, you know, as if it isn't obvious, that was, that was, that was really impressive. I really liked that. Yeah, I bet that little intro for his logo for Redbeard, that's my favorite part, actually. I mean, the game's really fun, too, but that that's such a nice effect. And not one we've really seen on a cocoa before. Next up, since the guy that's authoring this is actually on the call, I think we'll just let him talk about it. So this is his new ad for Jumping Joey. Yeah, well, it's uh, pretty well the very last routine is all I'm up to now. So I've um, been doing that, uh, well, today and tomorrow I should have that finished. Then I start the big laborious task of game testing, looking for bugs, looking for little tweaks here and there, and then uh, getting a few people to play it and see see what they think and see if it's too easy, too hard, blah. So there's, there's a few steps still to go, but uh, it's very close to release now. Um, and as you can see, I've got the three screens there all with their now colored backgrounds so it's come out better than what i expected it's got the background music playing and i hope to have a video a play video available for people to see soon that's yeah. all now the, the one thing i i did want to mention just so that people of the dragon 64 are aware of it is because the dragon 64 changed the way the the v-sync and h-sync worked so basically h-sync which you're basing your music routine on which works very well for Coco 1 and 2 and Dragon 32 to play your two-voice background. Um, on the Dragon 64, H-Sync fires only during the actual displayable area. When it goes into V-Blank, it just stops. 
And uh, so yeah. you, I, I can't remember you. I remember you hit this with a, one of your other games. I think it was pipes. So does it stutter or what exactly does it do? Oh, it, it well, it, it plays the music, but you hear you hear the breakup. <clears throat> you hear the breakup, the 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 chop, okay, um, a lot more. So you can still hear it, but it's yeah, you want yeah. to turn it off. And you yeah, can. And you have the key to hot key to turn it off, so you don't have. Yeah, to Yeah, there's to that. a hot key you can do. If the, if the, if the music's driving you uh, mad, whether it's because of the Dragon sixty four or my composing, um, <laughs> you can just you can just press the M. <laughs> it still keeps the sound effects going, but the uh, the music is uh, turned off. Yeah, and for those uh, who aren't seeing this but are hearing this on the podcast, it's sixteen uh, k of RAM required. So it runs on a Coco one two three Dragon thirty two Dragon sixty four. Runs on emulators. Uh, should be able to run on XR online if you want to try that once once you buy it. Um, joystick or keyboard controls. You don't even need a joystick to play it. So if you just bought a 16K Coco 2 on eBay, because it's one of the few affordable Cocos left you can get on eBay, um, this this thing's ready to go. You don't need any additional hardware to do it. And uh, you're also, I don't know, I, I, have you announced this yet or not about the uh, the bundle deal if you're ordering the physical? Oh, uh, I'm did, Okay, I'm so not, not yet. I'm thinking, well, I'll do what I've always done and have a, a, a digital download available as well as a CD. But I figured I might make the CD. I'll just um, uh, combine my um, pipes and my Rally SG all on the one CD. And I'll just call it, you know, the uh, the arcade CD for for all Cocos. Coco yeah, it was graphic six-pack or three-pack or something. Yeah, I thought, well, they're all... They're all games for the for that early era, Coco. I thought I'll just make one CD and put the lot. That way, you know, you, if you buy the CD of Jumping Joey, you get the others as well. It's like a, a triple pack. So, still working on that. Cool. And of course, as as you usually do, if you do order the physical collector's copy of it, you actually will get the digital download within 24 hours. Oh yeah, yeah. So you don't so have to that, wait for um, it. Yeah. So people don't have to wait for uh, the. I mean, if you're in in the US, I think the CD only takes a, at the most a, a week to get to you. But if you're in Australia, for example, when I ordered um, uh, Robot Nightmare, which, which uh, is made by the same people, uh, the, the manufacture the CD by the same pe- people, uh, it, it can take almost four weeks to get here. Which um, yeah, it's weird. I would have thought Australia would have just gone downhill much quicker. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's part of Ken's uh, game you were mentioning there, uh, shipping nightmare. Yeah, I mean, sorry, robot he, nightmare. It's got longer yeah, to swim. Used, yeah, well, maybe because <laughs> he uh, used the same uh, CD manufacturer as well. Well, it's good to hear well, that but, you're you're nearing the end of your project too. So we've got quite a few little. We've got the Halloween edition of uh, Ghost Rush for a variety of computers. Jumping Joy is coming out soon. For variety robot nightmare just got released for a, a variety including a dragon version that just got released this week, which we'll be covering shortly. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time to even have a Cocoa one and two. It's actually all the new games uh, will run on Cocoa ones and twos as well as Cocoa threes. So yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a Cocoa one, two dragon thirty two sixty four Christmas. Basically there's a whole bunch of stuff coming out. And the semi graphics modes is a mode that uh, Tandy originally didn't want anyone to use. Yeah. Back, even uh, though they did use it on their own stuff. Well, they used it just for um, Spectrum Analyzer, didn't they? That was the only... No, 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 no. They used it on uh, Atom. 
<clears throat> um, oh, did they? Used it on. I can't remember if the diagnostic card used it or not, but yeah. Adam, Adam for sure, because the periodic table is using like semi-graphics 8 or 12. I can't remember which one. All right, yeah. So, no, they've used it a yeah. few times. Yeah, because I remember back in the day they were saying, you know, this mode is a uh, not going to be supported. Do not use. Yeah. Um, and I, I, maybe um, if Mark's still in the chat there, Mark Siegel from Tandy, if he can explain as to why that decision kind of wasn't solidified, I guess. I, I don't know. Maybe <clears throat> Maybe they originally wanted it so that it would be easier for people to port a game back to the MC10 because the MC10 did not have a SAM and did not support these higher semi-graphics mode, though ironically enough, it did properly support SG6. Um, so I don't know if that had any part of the decision or not, but uh, yeah, I mean, third party, the Dragon supported it probably the most because they didn't have a stipulation saying don't use this. And uh, they had quite a few games that were based on on the semi-graphics 12 and 24 modes. The Coco had well, a few, the... most in the earliest days, like 81, 82 is when most of them came out. I think the Coco is uh, is the only um, computer that used the uh, Motorola six eight four seven BDG in conjunction with the uh, uh, what is it the six eight eight three SAM chip. Yeah, uh, I think uh, every other VDG system didn't combine the two because you only get the semi graphics when you have that chip in there as well. Yeah, which is basically the Dragon and the Coco. And that, yeah, the other Dragon clones. and the Coco. Yeah, that's right. Every other manufacturer said, no, nah, we don't need that. They just use the video chip because uh, it does all the main modes. But yeah, semi-graphics only comes up, comes in when you use the uh, the SAM chip is, in, is combined, which was part of the original Motorola design. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is strange because, I mean, even ones that you had totally different CPUs like Z80s and stuff that used the VDG. Yeah, they didn't um, have the same, so it didn't. Yeah. Uh, it couldn't do semi-graphics modes. Well, some and of them did could, innovate a bit. They would have it so they could actually switch the color set, you know, in different parts of the screen. Oh, so you could some mix. of them, yeah, some of them created their own little effects. Um, but yeah, so you get eight colors out. on the screen, even in a graphics mode type thing. Yeah, but yeah, the semi-graphics, as you can see in the pictures there on the the jumping Joey ad, it does add a fair bit of color. I mean, there are problems. I mean, it's got a low res. It's got a few other problems with that mode. But when you use it right and design everything, you can hide most of the limitations and you get an overall colorful experience. Bringing yeah, it reminds me a lot of the Atari 2600 type stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Anyway. Yeah. So, all right. Um, good to hear the progress is, is happening and that you're you're nearing the finish line. And, yeah, uh, look, so look. I'll be glad it's over, so I can start the next one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll we'll let Ken decide as to when after this release here how long he wants to let people practice before he makes it the official game of the week. <laughs> and then speaking of practice, you, uh, it's going to be right when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next up, uh, Paul Shoemaker uh, did the announcement here that he's got the Ghost Rush Halloween edition for the Dragon Thirty Two Sixty Four. Thanks to Paris Surratt for converting it over to a disc image so they can actually download the virtual disc uh, to play on uh, Dragon. And then he's also got this separate executable binary file. These are in the uh, Dragon 3264 Facebook groups. So you can download the bin file. Now, that will work with XWare. You can actually specify XWare, just load a bin file directly and don't need a disc image at all. So this is for that type of person that can just instantly load it in and fire it up. Let it go. And for those who have not seen the Dragon version yet, um, 
I will play the little promotion video that he's done. I will also mention one thing on the screen here where you've got the background, the twisty trees and the cross and the graveyard. You notice the dragon logo itself in the lower right corner hidden away in the red there, which is kind of cool. And uh, candy corn, it looks like it's spoiling due to the colors, um, which I mean, I'll, I'll quite a few of the sounds of it probably think it's spoiled beforehand. Maybe this is improved. I'm not sure. Uh, Can but he's also mentioned spoil? that he doesn't show it in this video, but one of the shapes that comes later in the game is unique to the dragon on the dragon version, and he hasn't said what that is. So I'm hoping we get to see that from the live report next week. Anyway, sorry, somebody was saying something? I just said, I don't think candy corn can spoil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm spoiled. All right, I will play the video and you guys can see with the uh, forced four colors of uh, color set zero, which is basically green, yellow, blue, and red. And, and it actually looks still pretty good. I mean, given the limited power, this actually looks pretty good. I think. Yeah, he's done. He's done well. And of course, he changed the music to have a bit more of a sinister theme than the happy-go-lucky standard gold stretch. And of course, he replaced the Pac-Man that comes after you a, a little bit later with uh, the same as he did on the Coco 1, 2, and 3 versions. As you'll see shortly. Uh -huh. Pack pumpkin. pumpkin. <laughs> anyway, that I mean, you can see what the game looks like there, uh, what the new graphics look like, the new theme music, what it sounds like. Uh, it will be the official kind of the equivalent of a game on challenge at the Dragon Meetup, the 40th anniversary of the Dragon in uh, Wales this next weekend, which we'll be getting a live report from as well. So uh, definitely give it a download and a try if you have a Dragon emulator or an actual Dragon. And uh, if, of course, if you're in the UK, uh, make sure to practice up. There is rumors of a prize that will be awarded to the winner uh, at the show next week. So you actually will get something for practicing and, and, and being really good at the game. Next up, um, CP, or CRPG Addict, which is character role-playing game, is a website that's devoted to character role-playing games, funnily enough. Um, but they've, they've been doing a long-running series here, and they've got stuff going back from the 70s up to modern times, uh, going through on a, every platform imaginable type thing. They've covered the Coco a few times before, like they've covered uh, Gates of Delirium, I think, and Seventh Blink. And uh, this one here is a bit of a rare game. The other two were uh, you know, by major software manufacturers for the Coco Diacom, in the case of Gates Delirium, and uh, Oblique Triad for the uh, 7th Link, which is a Coco 3 only uh, Ultima style game. So this one's a bit different. I remember Nick Morantes, you actually 
found this one, I think, when I first published the page. You hadn't seen it before either. It, it plays no, a little I... bit differently, but they do a full review of it here. As far as you can get, you can see the splash screen there, and then he kind of goes through. Here's what the actual manual looks like, which they kind of joked about. That's typical, you know, one-person shop on the kitchen table, you know, drawing your own manual covers and stuff. And it's a Coca-3 only one, and it kind of shows here what the uh, main gameplay looks like. So you've got your standard, you know, RPG stuff like strength, intellect, etc. Uh, so you got your division of various parts of the screen to different areas, and then you've got this nice, colorful, sixteen-color Coca-3 graphics. Now, instead of like an Ultimate game where the map that you're on basically shows like you know across two-thirds or three-quarters of the entire screen it's actually a little part in the lower right corner and you don't scroll through it it actually just blinks to the next part of the map and i think if i remember correctly this game's mostly written in basic and uh, here's a rough map of the the world as he's discovered the guy who's reviewing it here so far and then you can see like it, it shows that you're in the maze you just wander around you got to beat up and kill things and um You'll see the word in over top the map if you go into a stable. And there's other characters you get to talk to, et cetera, as well. I haven't played this one too much. I played it a little bit enough to get some screenshots on my page. I, this is one I'll have to revisit a bit because it's it's a bit more unique, I guess, um, the way it's laid out. And he even mentioned that, too. He said there's some uniqueness to this that actually makes it more interesting than just yet another Ultima clone style thing. So he does a fairly thorough review, and he does that on all of it. So if you're into RPG games in, in general, whether it's on game consoles or home computers or whatever, this is an excellent site to go to. He does very thorough reviews. Um, some of the games he's played for dozens and dozens of hours before he even writes the review. Some of them he does in multi-parts as he goes further into the game. So uh, he does very extensive reviews of, of this style of game. And uh, the Coco showed up a few times. So. What's that? What's this game called again? Uh, this game is called The Power Stones of Ard. Oh, I have heard of it. I haven't played it before, though. Okay, cool. And I'm trying to remember. There might even be a part two to this one. There's, hmm. I can't remember if this is the one that actually had a sequel. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out because it's not one that I think a lot of people have seen. Next up, uh, speaking of the dragon, so now they have some competition for the Ghost Rush. Ken Reichert, thanks to uh, help with Mike Miller, has uh, made Robot Nightmare now ported the Dragon 32 and 64. So uh, you can order that at the HIO page uh, that Ken has, or if you want the digital download, and there's a link from there as well that will take you to the uh, physical copy one, which, as as Nick stated, is through... What is the name of the company again? Uh, Kunaki. Kunaki. And they actually make the like the jewel DVD case type thing. I won't, yeah. I won't play this here because we've played it a few times. Plus, it's already been a game on challenge, so I think most people are familiar with the game. Um, loosely based, based on Night Stalker on the Intellivision and what was the name of the Atari 2600 version, which is a little bit different, but by the same company, M-Networks is Mattel, basically. Um, Dark so Cavern? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. So Dark Cavern on the Atari 2600. So it's more based on the Dark Cavern version than the actual original uh, Intellivision one, but... Uh, very fun game, and it's uh, yet another semi-graphics one. So you get you know tons of colors all on the same screen. And for those uh, haven't seen it, this is the uh, HIO page. We can see some more screenshots, including the title screen and uh, you know some of the creatures you'll be encountering. Multiple mazes in it as well. And then if you order the actual physical case, this is kind of with the jewel case. And I know some of you on the show already have it in your your possession. So, but you'll notice it now says "and the dragon 3264 on the bottom. So. Dragging people can join it. So the Coco 1 and 2 and the Dragon both have been getting a ton of games the last few months here. So it's a Merry Christmas for both of them. 
And then we alluded to this earlier. So the latest uh, sibling rivalry show live at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo this weekend, uh, they decided to play Dino Wars. And this is a game that we've talked about a few times before that uh, there doesn't seem to be an in-between gray area on this game. People either love this game or they hate it. Uh, I know some people used to joke, a Dino Wars is the perfect cartridge to get if you want to do a ROM cartridge uh, project because you just rip the ROM out and you know do your own thing. And yet I know every young kid I've ever shown this to, like age seven and under, love this game. It doesn't matter that it's super old. And I mean, it does have like 3D perspectives and you know scaling of dinosaurs. So for the time it was written in late 1980, which is the same year that Coco got released, the cartridge itself didn't get released till 81, contrary to the copyright screen. Um, it was quite advanced for the time. Um, and it's also, if, if those have been to Coco Fest uh, that we were alluding to as well with Tim there, he made, created a giant, huge banner that a lot of us got our picture taken in front of at Coco Fest. Um, I won't play the whole video because it's um, it actually goes off into a wild tangent about AJ talking about getting dragged around by her horse and stuff. So I'll let you uh, watch the episode for the full details on that. <clears throat> but I will play the very beginning here because as Tim had mentioned, he did not know what AJ was doing in the background when he was uh, recording the initial intro and only discovered this in editing. I thought it's cute, so we'll show it here. Hey, everybody. Today we're going to be playing Dino Wars on Sibling Rivalry. Tim, this banner is enormous. I know. Isn't it great? It's 12 <laughs> foot by 10 foot. Uh, ah! Costs so much money. <laughs> Why did you buy such a big banner? Because it's glorious. <laughs> it's Dino Wars, I guess. <laughs> Let's play. All right, I'm in. Anyway, I'm sure all of you have seen Dino Wars before. I thought that was that was funny. Um, so since we have a bit of a panel here, I'll just take a quick little bit here. <clears throat> I'm a person who actually does like the game. The sound effects are really good. In fact, there's a bit of a backstory. I actually posted as a comment on, on uh, Tim and AJ's page about uh, the recording of uh, those those sounds. But before I talk briefly about that story, I was just wondering, what is everybody else? Like, who's here is on the po pro camp and who's on the man? This is a grid cartridge to replace the ramen camp. I think I'll have well, to play it more. Um, so I have strong opinions. Uh, they're quite negative. Um, so <laughs> Dy Dino Wars was one of the one of the two first cartridge games that my brother and I ever got for our Coco Two when we first got our our Coco back in uh, at the end of 1983. And um, you know, it has a cool name. That's what attracted us to it initially. You know, do, ooh, Dino Wars, you know, dinosaurs fighting each other. How cool. Um, the gameplay, though, I found terribly lacking. Mainly, basically, what we did when we played was it kind of devolved to the two of us charging each other, hitting each other, and then mashing the fire button as fast as we possibly can until one of us scored a hit on the other and it seemed completely random as to who scored a hit on who. So there was like no skill involved at all. We were just mashing the button while charging each other. And one of us would eventually go down and it was seemed completely random. And, um, and I got tired of that really fast. <clears throat> AJ might disagree with you because this is one of the few games she's absolutely slaughtered Tim. So she's going to claim it's completely <laughs> skill. <laughs> I didn't see any skill whatsoever in this game. 
but you know, I personally I loved know. it as a kid and still like it. So, yeah, I, I'm with Ken on this one. I mean, I, I, the sound effects are great. And like I said, I'll, I'll explain the story behind that in a, in a second here, but, uh, the, the 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 detection of who bit who that is true it's it's kind of awkward you it's, basically got to get a neck shot and you've got to be within <laughs> the same you know plane background like you have to be fairly level to each other to accomplish the hit and of course you can run into cactuses and fall down too but uh just before i get into the little story there how about other people on the panel well i was the one who came up with the story that uh uh when dale did his first game and sent it to uh tandy uh, that he cored out a, uh, uh, a Dino Wars cartridge because he figured that was the most expendable one. But actually, although Dale was not a big, he, he didn't like Dino Wars, uh, it was some other game, and I don't remember which one, but I, I remember reading back at what I wrote back in the day, and it, it wasn't that one. So, so that was wrong. Uh, I haven't, I've seen it played. I've never played it myself. Uh, I just remember that, like, when you bite the other dinosaur, it's like, this, doesn't the screen go blank? And then there's like a uh, 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 sound, isn't there? Uh, it doesn't. That's when you win. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't go, the screen doesn't go blank unless maybe you had 4K, because then it couldn't page flip. So it probably did blank out on that on 16K and higher. It oh, interesting. Blank. Okay. Yeah. I might be thinking about another game too. I don't know. But, uh, and yeah, the yelping so. is when the, when you win and the other guy's leaving the screen, he yelps all the way out. Right. Yeah. Sounded like a puppy being hit. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rob, Robert well, Kilgus, the guy who programmed this, he also programmed skiing, which is a, a better 3d game, honestly. Um, but he made both of them. So they're running 4k, but basically it doesn't have enough Ram left over to make two screens. So he stack blasts a screen background, green or white, depending which oh game you're talking my. about, and then redraws it as fast as he can. On 16K, it actually auto senses that and then double buffers so that you don't have any of that, but you will get some blanking on, on mm -hmm. 4K. But the yeah, fact I... he got this to work on 4K and got skiing to work in 4K at all is actually pretty darn impressive. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things to think about with Dino Wars is the whole 3D perspective fighting game. What other ones at the time were there? And like, I mean, it, yeah, was, it was late way. 80s before any actually even arcade games came out with the 3D um fighting like that like but pit fighter maybe was one of the first yep and digitized there, sound effects too there was actually a uh some other game console that had a game like this except you had weapons and other, <laughs> other things i can't remember what console it was for it was like a playstation or something uh so much much later than this i mean places yeah. come out the oh yeah so you're yeah like a decade and a half later no, I, I think this game, like for the people that don't like the gameplay, and there is definitely legitimate reasons to say the gameplay itself is kind of lacking. Um, this would be viewed like some other games like on the Amiga and a few other platforms where it's more of a tech demo of, of like well, what you can do with 3D graphics, et cetera, where the gameplay isn't quite there. But, you know, from a programming perspective, it's actually quite impressive. And I would and I, rank this I one will, there. I will agree that the game does have some cool qualities. I agree the... Uh, you know, the sound effects are cool, and uh, the fact that it's 3D is cool. The animation is cool. Um, it's just, the I, the my main complaint was the gameplay. It just seemed like it yeah. was always random, whoever bit who, and I just didn't like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, 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 I do like the game. It's not one of my favorites or anything like that, but skiing is definitely in my top ranked games. Cause that one is really, really well done. Um, you know, we'd seen night driver and night driver clones for other machines at that same time frame, you know, 1981, but none of them had Hills where you can actually dip and, you know, you'd watch the perspective of the flags and the poles on the sides dip behind a snowbank and come back up type thing. Like nobody else was doing that back then that I remember James, unless you remember something that I'm forgetting, but I don't, I don't, I don't any. remember any of them doing that. Yeah. So that was a real, you know, impressive one. Cause I showed people that had played night driver on the Atari 2600 or even the arcade. And they were just flabbergasted by skiing. So Robert did some pretty good stuff and he really understood this stuff. Now, briefly, I'll go into the background here. This is the last gaming story I have officially. So we'll go on to the regular news after this. But uh, uh, Boise Pete, when he was doing interviews for the uh, History of the Cocoa book, <clears throat> came across Robert and talked to him about, like he did a lot of utility software and stuff too. Like the disc editor assembler was by Robert Kilgus, which has Kilgus DOS, which is a set of library routines. And for people who tried to write stuff using just the ROM calls, you know how much they suck when you're trying to deal with files. So he came up with something there that you could actually use that came with the editor assembler. So he did, you know, utility stuff as well. But uh, he were trying to figure out how to do digitized speech, digitized sound effects, but compress it as much as possible. And he does a fairly long-winded explanation of it. But basically, the story with Dino Wars is that he was recording uh, sound effects done by him and his wife, Peggy, on tape. <clears throat> and his uh, wife was the one who was doing the yelps and the screams. And they'd speed it up and slow it down. Like, you know, the two dinosaurs have slightly different pitches. So you can tell which one's doing the roar. It's the exact same sample. It's just played at a different rate. Um, but all of that was done with them just recording it. And his one comment to Boise was something along the lines of, you know, <clears throat> we did this for about a week and we were killing ourselves laughing with some of the weird sound effects we came up, some of which are not used in any of the games. He said, I really wonder what my neighbors thought we were doing that week. Because apparently it was in summer and the window was open most of the time. So um, I have approached Robert about trying to come on for an interview. And unfortunately, where he lives, he's got almost no bandwidth. So he's kind of tentatively agreed to do a text interview, which isn't, you know, really Coca Talks forte. I might still do it, maybe just put it on my site or something. But uh, I was really hoping to be able to get him to come on. Maybe I'll try again. Maybe he's got better internet out in the the boonies now. Because I'd really, really fun to talk to him. Because he did some pretty impressive stuff. That's the end of the regular game on news this week. You want to break, Mark, or do you want me to go straight into regular news? Uh, we could do the uh, uh, commercial zero break. Okay, let's do that. All right. Here. You are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a tandy colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original colored computer. Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Boat and Aaron, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, Brian Walsh, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Daniel Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant B, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jay Style, Ken Reichert, Malfunct, Melly, Michael Pitsley, Mike Rayburn, OG Hugo, 
Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Eulen, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week? Wayne C.A. says, Are there moderators here now that didn't know me before? Well, let's see what this old man can come up with for an intro. My name is Wayne, my claim to fame is com slash decode, which is written in basic 09. I am currently learning C programming for DOS so I can learn how to make modifications to the Wolfenstein 3D source code myself. I'm also hoping that this will help me further my ability with programming on the Coco. Wilthorch says. Hmm. An intro, my name is Todd H. I got into retro computing after watching a bunch of YouTube videos such as Adrian's Digital Basement, The 8-Bit Guy, Noel's Retro Lab, Jan Beta, Retro Recipes, AC's 8-Bit Zone, etc. As a result, I went to my parents' attic and dug out my old Coco 3 and got it working and started buying up old computers from Fleabay to restore. My interest is in restoring, upgrading and updating old computers from my childhood. Don't really know what else to tell you. If you've got questions about me, feel free to ask. And thanks for letting me join. Sky says. My name is Sky, Laney is my usual handle online. I'm into retro computers like the Tandy computers, my father had one when he was a kid and had a few stories to tell me about it, and other early computing oddities and devices. I always found retro computers more interesting than the machines common in households nowadays, and much easier to understand. I found an invite link in the Emulation Development Discord. I hope to learn more about Tandy computers and share my love for retro machines with others, and possibly write an emulator of one of these machines someday. Is 2 Scooby says. Hello. My name is Richard, but go by as 2 Scooby nearly everywhere online. I live in Northern California. I recently got my AARP card and since I already completed my midlife crisis Corvette story arc in my 40s, I think my brain decided to tell me it was time to get back into my first love, home computers from the 80s, guess I just like to own, admire, look, smell, hear, feel these things from my youth without being able to materially contribute outside of my enthusiasm. Oh, and I found the invite link for this discord in a post by Mr. Dave in a thread on Atari age of all places. STL Bud says, Hi. My name is Bill. I've had Coco 1, 2, 3, MC10 with multipack, floppy drives, speech pack, hard drive and more. The previous bios were edited for time, thanks to, Coco Man, Boys in Tech, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Nightbeard, Glenside Computer Club and the Coco Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.cocotalk.live. See y'all on Discord! Okay, Curtis, back to you. Okay, <clears throat> let me get the share re going here. Okay, first story Marco Vandell, and I'm probably going to butcher his last name here, Mullenhoff. Oh, that's right. My apologies if it's not has a run of 4K RAM badge replacements ready to go for those of you that have the original gray first-gen Cocoa 1s. 
They're going to be on sale shortly for around two euros each. And he's actually got a, a website, retro8bitshop.com. Um, I checked a little bit earlier this week and it wasn't up on the store yet. He said it would be coming soon, but it wasn't at the time we wrote this post. It may be up there now by showtime or by the time you listen to this on a podcast. Um, but he basically, he's got replacement badges for just about every 8-bit machine known from Commodores to Ataris to Terra City Model 1, 2, 3s, etc., so this is his first run of Coco-based 4K RAM badges for those of you that have the original gray and didn't upgrade it, which would take a lot of you know self-discipline or a complete lack of money, one of the two. Anyway, they look really good. They even got kind of that bubble 3D look mm-hmm. to it like the originals do. It looks like they're stick-on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. It's, it's kind of hard to tell from just the photo here if it is as much three-dimensional as the original ones were because they were kind of a hard plastic almost yeah it looks like it yeah with the uh uh, glare the sides of it the epoxy bubble thing going on good in there yeah next up we had the announcement this week from bill pierce who's kind of the guy who's in charge of the vcc project as a manager style thing he's not one of the programmers for it uh but thanks to mike Roja, the uh, VCC is now up to version 2.1.0.7. Now, the main update to this one is that it will now integrates a new debugger that you can actually fire up and actually debug programs in it, similar to what MAME has in its debugger. From what I've seen so far, it's not as robust as MAME's, but since VCC hasn't had one before, it's still a huge improvement. So it lets you like set breakpoints and you know watch registers in memory while your programs are running. You can stop it and single step through code. And kind of discover, you know, where a bug might be type thing. And I know in the, in the development of Nitrous 9, that's proven invaluable. Yeah, you can do it the old-fashioned way like Nick, but it takes longer. So um, it, it definitely makes things a bit easier. And it's got a few little bits there for handling the task register and the MMU registers that actually look better than MAME's. Because MAME is, of course, a generic debugger for all the various platforms that MAME supports. So it doesn't really know the gimme all that well. So it doesn't have... You know, a setting the task register. So you might set a breakpoint, say, and I'm going to use Nitrogen as an example here because it does use both task registers ex- extensively. So the systems in task zero, any user programs in the graphics drivers in task one, if I set a breakpoint at a certain memory location because I want to stop the code here because something's going wrong, but that happens to also be a legitimate address in the program that's running in the system itself, then anytime the system tries to run that code, it'll stop there, even though that's not at all the program I want to try to debug. So it's a bit of a pain. And the way the, from what I've seen, I haven't tried yet, but the way this is set up, it looks like you actually could theoretically, maybe with very minor changes that might be already enabled now, you should be able to at least see if you're in the right task map with the right MMU registers mapped. So it should make debugging that type of thing where you're switching tasks a lot easier. And I know a lot of game programmers for the COPA 3 tend to make like task one, your sound routine with sound samples because it does an entire new map with samples. Versus your actual main code, which has the graphic screens and sprites, et cetera. Sorry, Rick? Were you saying something, Rick, or Eland? No? Okay. thought I heard something, and then I saw the green light around your square, so I thought you were saying something. Anyway, that's available for download. Uh, you can get it on GitHub, and the address for the GitHub is in our show notes that you can get on our Discord server. And uh, it's got the 2.1.07 download. Source code is available there as well. And also, uh, Bill's up, updated the manual to include a whole bunch of stuff on the debugger and how to use it. So I haven't had a chance to go through that 
like I mentioned, I don't know if anybody in the panels had time to go through that yet to see what you guys thought of the debugger, say versus MAME, if you tried both or XOR, because XOR has a plug-in one too. And there's another debugger coming up soon too, we'll be talking about that uh, Rick Ulan was mentioning in the pre-show. So has anybody had a chance to try the debugger in BCC just out of curiosity? Not me. Dave is trying it out right now. <clears throat> Chet said he was doing some modifications to the source code, so I thought I'd wait until. Oh, so there might be. I some saw the fallout from that. <laughs> okay, well, if anybody gets a chance in the next week or two here to actually give it a shot and, and wants to do kind of a quick review of it on the show, that'd be that'd be greatly appreciated. I probably won't have time this next week or two, so. And then, uh, kind of along that line, uh, Alderson Retro Computing has posted a couple of YouTube videos here. Uh, the first one here, I don't, won't play anything too much in here, but it basically is him playing with the new version of VCC. And he actually shows a little of the debugger in, in motion here. Debugger. I won't play the text here. So like right here, you can see in the top, it's, uh, the debugger has four options in the menu. There's uh, memory display, processor stats, breakpoints, and MMU monitor, which is the part that I like that is kind of lacking in MAME. So he's doing a memory window, which is basically hex dump, and you can like scroll through to whatever part of memory you want to watch while it's actually running and changing. You're actually watching basic variables there, change and direct page, for example. Um, but anyway, he does a fairly extensive kind of review of it because that's really the only new feature on 2.107. They did a quick little video just kind of showing his real hardware that he uses for testing. I won't play that one because it's YouTube short, so you might as well just go check it out yourself. <laughs> but it shows his MC10 system with the SDX32, SCOCO3 system with a mini MPI and a Coco SDC, et cetera. So just kind of a little promo for his own stuff. And then he does another video that's just under five minutes, which actually shows you how to configure the 2107 VCC. Uh, for those of that have not done that before, it kind of gives you some tips and tricks on doing that. So you can go check those all out on his YouTube page. Uh, next up, Richard Kelly uploaded a second beta of Easy Directory. Uh, we mentioned this, I think, last week or the week before. So it's kind of a program launcher, similar to the Cocoa SDC, written in BASIC, but you can just use it on regular disks. You don't need an SDC to run it on. Um, first appeared in the three issues of the PGDM Digital Magazine, and he's actually been doing an update now. So the original version, you kind of jumped by screens. When you hit the down arrow, it would jump like an entire list of files on a screen at a time. He's now changed it so it will smooth scroll through them all. Uh, it also added key repeats. So if you hold down the arrow key, it'll just start zooming through your, your program listing, et cetera. And this was kind of some tweaks and bug fixes uh, compared to what he did last week. And he's looking for some people to test out and see if they can find any more bugs. So uh, for those of you who are like, you know, finding other people's bugs, uh, there's now both uh, uh, Paul Thayer's uh beta or testing you can do for him on his Kokobon game. And now there's also, if you're more of the utility side of things, easy director by Richard Kelly. So you can contact him on Facebook and give him some feedback. Sounds interesting. I, I might uh, give it a, give it a whirl. I hear David Ladd's good at breaking things. Yes, he is. <laughs> he absolutely is. <laughs> I remember Coco VGA drivers for nitrous. <laughs> Um, excuse me, that was someone else that was do causing that. Yeah, but you were finding them. I would have just yeah, gone, played the old ignorance is bliss card and just let it go. 
Shoot the messenger. <laughs> uh, on a bit more of a serious note, John Whitworth of Dragon Plus Electronics, of course, has a super sprite FM Plus board for both the Dragon and the Cocos, will be undergoing his next round of leukemia treatment. Um, so Dragon Plus Electronics will temporarily close to new orders for roughly one to two months, depending on how things go, starting midday today. Um, and then he will be fulfilling orders that he receives by then up through Monday, 16th of October. Uh, and then he's going to take a bit of hiatus to concentrate his health, same as he did a while ago. Thankfully, I mean, he was really worried he wasn't going to make it after the first, you know, the first round. And he's actually been doing fairly well. Hopefully that continues. Because, uh, of course, he's been doing a, a lot of excellent stuff. He's actually been working on, you know, helping on some of the stuff with you, replacing power supplies for the Dragon, the Sprite sound card that is for both Cocos and Dragons. I think he's been helping with the recreation of the Dragon 32 motherboard project, similar to what Pedro Pena has done here in the States with the uh, Coco 1 and 2, 3 motherboards. So he's been a very valuable member of the Dragon community. So, I, I, you know, best best of luck to you, John, from all of us here in Coco Talk, and uh, hope you recover soon. couple of updates from Glenn's side. Um, so this was posted on October 10th by Jim Brain, the president. Uh, just a quick note to welcome Brian Weasler as the 2022-23 GCC secretary alongside himself, John Mark Mobley, and Eric Canales returning in their respective positions. So that was something that was actually, I think everybody else got in by acclamation, if I remember correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody on the panel here. Uh, but the secretary position was still open. So Brian Weiser volunteered and he's now the secretary. And a second one, they're announcing the Glenside Color Computer Club picnic, which is going to be on October 22nd from 1 p.m. until late, as they put it. This will be held at the Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, Illinois. Um, for those of you who were around in the Cocoa community in the 80s, and remember Rainbow doing their advertisements for Rainbow Fests. Uh, that's right across the street from the Hyde Regency that Rainbow Fest was at from 1983 till 1990 or whatever the last year was, 91 maybe. So if any of those, if you have ever been to the Chicago Cocoa uh, Rainbow Fest back in the day, you'll know where to find this because it's literally across the street. And it starts in the food court, then we'll move to the interior. The interior is a restaurant, bar, arcade, and bowling alley. And I know uh, John Mark Mobley had just posted something onto the list this morning, I think it was, saying they've already got five people signed up for it. And it's usually a lot of fun. Sometimes they've had it at people's you know, houses. They had a barbecue in the backyard. But this year, they're doing it kind of an indoor thing at the mall type thing. <clears throat> so if you're in the Chicago area and you want to join a bunch of the Glenside Cocoa guys and uh, anybody else happens to be in the vicinity at the time, that usually is a fairly fun thing. We've even live streamed one or once or twice a few years back, I think, from some of these before COVID hit. So, and the fact that it actually is going to be in an arcade, you know, later on, that that always be fun. It'd be like a mini Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Another debugger story. So, Joel Reese, I think he's currently living in Japan, if I remember correctly, but he did a uh, a blog post here on on building the GDB debugger for the 6809 for XROAR and how to do it on Linux. And in his case, I think he's running Ubuntu. So he had a few issues and it kind of goes through what he had to do to fix to get everything up and running, but he's got it running now. So now all three of the major Cocoa emulators, XROAR, MAME, and VCC now have debuggers. So you have no excuse now not to, you know, if you're doing machine language programming to start using these tools to help speed things up. I'm looking at you, Nick. <laughs> 
he'll never change, I don't think. And now, because that's not enough debugging news, here's another one, which I'll let Rick talk about a little bit more because he kind of knows Mikey's long-term plans a bit better than I do. But basically, uh, Mikey started this vlog, video blog, that he started at the beginning of Septandi, and he's done four of them previously, or five actually, because I think started zero. So he's out of Septandi now. He's just doing the you know the vlog on its own. This one's called Coco Debugging with Noise, or No Ice. And this is a bug debugger that runs natively on the Coco. Um, so you can actually debug in real hardware. He also shows you in here how to get it running in MAME as well. I will mention that. But basically, it uh, kind of replaces BASIC in some ways, I think, if I understood correctly. Rick, you might know better details than I have. Uh, and I do hopefully we'll have plan on having Mikey on the show here sometime in the near future to kind of explain it in a bit more detail. We won't do it today just because I know we're pressed for time. But maybe the next week or two, we can coerce Nike, Mikey into coming in to kind of give some bit more details on it. But he goes through how to set it up on both real hardware and on MAME. And then goes some examples of going through with DriveWire, et cetera. But basically, it lets you actually set breakpoints and stuff within your code that you're running on the Cocoa itself. And then it can actually talk over an OSTRA32 pack to a terminal or a Windows or Mac machine or a Linux machine that's hooked up with a terminal program running. And you actually can get you know details like register dumps where it left off running code, et cetera. So you can use it as a single-step debugger, et cetera, through software. Kind of like EdTasm Zbug, I guess, except that you can do this across onto a, a different computer entirely than the Cocoa itself. So, uh, Rick, do you have any more details on what's going on here? Yeah, from what I take from what he's, his presentation here is, yes, you can run, you know, no ice in MAME. You can run no ice on the Cocoa. He's going to link them together so that you can manage debug your cocoa from a nice big comfy windows screen while no ice is running on the actual hardware which is going to be great for stuff like a network card i would love to have a really sophisticated debugger on the cocoa while i'm trying to work things but you know it hasn't yeah i mean i mean most of us <laughs> software developers that use some of these debuggers we're running on mame or, or now vcc and xor <clears throat> but you're dependent if you're trying to do, you know create new hardware like you're doing there's no driver for that in any of these emulators. So that's totally useless. That's what we're trying to invent. <laughs> yeah. So. so this is a way to actually do it on the real hardware while you're developing new hardware for it at the same time. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, what its greatest strength is that you'll be able to actually do some debugging, as you said, on a nice big screen. So you can scroll back and see, you know, you know I'm, I'm trying to figure why this register got changed here. But, you know, 80 instructions back, it should have done something else or whatever. So, yeah, I think it would be very, very useful for that kind of thing. Have you had a chance to actually play with any of this yet, or are you just kind of living vicariously through Mike? This week has been, you know, tornadoes and rebuilding computers and rebuilding computers I didn't plan to rebuild because of the tornadoes. And, um, so I haven't got to play with any of this stuff, but I'm really excited to. So, Oh, I, I wasn't aware you had went through tornadoes, so you actually had one hit your house or? No, it, it was in the neighborhood. We had like a three-hour power outage. And after spending Monday and Tuesday rebuilding my front room box, as intended to get it on Windows 10 again, I then got to spend Thursday and Friday rebuilding my shop box because the power outage killed it. And uh, so that's all I've done this week. I haven't really got to play with any of these things other than know they exist and watch them while I waited for software to install. Okay. 
So, Mikey, I know you were in the chat early, early on. I don't know if you're still there or not, but uh, if, if you hear this, uh, we'd love to have you on with the next couple of weeks just to kind of, I guess, to explain no ice because that's not something I'm familiar with. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. If it should be noise, <laughs> but uh, love, love to get some details on this and where the project's going and uh, how you use it, basically, in a practical way. Usually, ice means in-circuit emulator. So I'm assuming that the no part means it's all done in software instead of a hardware device. Yeah, from my understanding, there's no there's no extra hardware. It's just the being R32 port to send the stuff right. out to and a, this, a terminal. And this is a nice video. If you want to know why he did it and all of that, watch this. It's appropriate. Oh, he says it is officially pronounced no ice, and he said sure he'd be happy to. So contact me on Discord, Mikey. We'll, we'll try to figure it out because we've got some live streams like the Dragon sh uh, Meet next week. Um, I'm still trying to line up uh, an off-Saturday pre-recording of Nitrostein 30th Anniversary Part 2 with Boise and Alan DeCock, possibly some others, hopefully within the next two Yay. weeks. So uh, I'm not quite sure when we'll schedule it. I don't want to make another six-hour show here. Stevie doesn't have the attention span to last a three-hour show, so... Anyway, it, it looks really cool. Um, so I definitely, once we get Mike on to give a, a maybe a, a little bit of a live demo to show the practicality of it, I'd love to see how it works. Next up, you'll see uh, Toronto Pet Users Group is doing the World of Commodore 2022 up in Mississauga, Ontario, which is, you know, if you're in the Toronto area, it's not too far away. Now, you'd be wondering, why am I promoting this? Well, one, Frank from Retro Rewind is actually one of the main sponsors and helped organize their main guest, which is David Pleasance, the former... Commodore UK Managing Director, but also if you're in the Toronto area at that time in December, he will be selling Cocoa stuff as well as like Cocoa SDC. So he's going to be kind of breaking the Commodore mold there. So I know some people like to buy things in person because they get to see them work and, and you know, but they don't want to you know, do the mail order thing. So if you are in the Toronto area or will be in December, early December, pop on by. First of all, you can say hi to Frank. He's a great guy. If you watched our link, the interview with him recently, you'll, you'll look, he's, he's very entertaining. And he'll also have Coco SDCs and stuff for sale, probably some diagnostic carts and stuff too. So you can pick them up in person at the uh, World of Commodore 2022. The only thing I remember about Toronto, it's damn cold. Uh, only if you go in the winter. <laughs> it, well, it, can get up in the, it can get into the 80 to 90 degrees with really high humidity in the summer so it's it's pretty darn warm too next up uh i, I think this is written by one of the guys in the panel today um so that's two days or two two shows in a row here we're talking to james diffendapper so this one he did the brownie and tree in basic and uh it's it's kind of a mathematical model based on random numbers, I, I think is what I read on the web, kind of explaining what exactly that is, because I wasn't familiar with it. Uh, James, did you want <laughs> to just, there's no math, it's just random numbers. <laughs> okay, but it, 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 it forms sort of a tree-like pattern, like it's almost like a fractal, it's kind of the natural look to it, or? Um, okay, the it picks... You, you, it starts at a point in the middle there, and then it picks a random number for X and Y, and it tries to see if it's close to the this a spot that's already set. And if not, then it moves a random plus or minus one in each direction, and oh, and it goes until like it's next to one. And it's well, 
It almost sounds like the game of life, like Conway's game of life style. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> the, the name the name comes from uh, Brownie Emotion. I, I posted a little thing on Discord. Um, they the when they grow crystals. Um, you know, they take a concentrated solution, then they drop a seed crystal in the middle and it grows out. It grows in kind of a pattern like that. It's mm-hmm. due to the Brownian mo- uh, movement of the molecules. And, and so of course, it, that's it how kinda, they made the infinite improbability drive in hitchhikers, too. <laughs> yes, that's where that comment came up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, bra- the brownie in there was T. They had to drop it in T, I think, or something. It, it sounds like yeah. so life grows out it sounds like this sort of grows in you're you're testing um, if it's close to what's already there not starting with what's already there and coming going well out. It, no it, it starts at whatever points you put on the screen and i i did another picture up on discord and it and i had points on the sides it'll grow out from whatever points you have on the screen but it's yeah like i said it's it's it, it just creator. plots Right, it just plots whenever it gets close to a pre-existing. It, it, it sounds it sounds similar to the way um, to the way snowflakes grow. Okay, right, so it looks like it's exactly. growing, but it's actually accreting sort of, yeah. which makes it, it bigger. But the only difference with snowflakes is that you're using water molecules that have a certain geometry, and so that's why right. why it has you know six sides to it. This doesn't have six sides and, and because you're not talking about water molecules. You're just talking about points. Yeah. Just random points. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it always kind of skews, you know, that angle that it's showing on the screen. Every time I ran it, even changing the random seed and stuff, it, it always so that'd skews be based that on the random function. The random number basic, generation is yeah. uh, doing something there that's Absolutely. causing that. The other name that I've heard for this, uh, that I heard in math class, was Drunkard's Walk. <laughs> I like that better, actually. <laughs> well, it, it's up on, um, oh, what is that code thing where they have samples from every language that... Uh, you, you, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So where they have like... Program, uh, as far as I can tell, a better name for it is Programmer's Boredom. So somebody just came up with it, and and I I had some spare time, and I said, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I was going to say if it's based on drunkenness, there we we can maybe check with AJ as, and Tim after their next uh, as so, someone episode. on Facebook said, "What good is this?" Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> it's I've, fun in I've, a geeky way. I've yeah. typed in some of the other programs similar to this that you've come up with, and. It takes forever to run, and it looks kind of fascinating, and it's just it's just for fun. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. intellectual fun. Yeah. Exactly. So, so just yeah, like this, you know, just like it, using the cocoa, right? As someone said, when they when they were a kid, they type in stuff like this and let it run overnight, and then save it, you know, what or whatever before their sister could unplug it. <laughs> yeah it's it's like watching a slow motion spirograph yeah oh, really slow motion because i ran it at 200 and some megahertz in the emulator and it takes like an hour to generate that or something so <laughs> yeah and you even kicked in native mode as you can see on line five here so yes i did <laughs>
But the random function's not that quick. Even base commands isn't that quick. So. Well, I'm yeah. sure that as an intellectual exercise, I'm sure somebody could program this in machine language, and it would be a lot faster. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it'd it be like the games of life. Like we saw Sockmaster did one, and I think Alan DeCock did one, and a few other people did too. Or, like or, or that, Mandelbrot generator. And that would be fun for somebody to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and 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 as somebody pointed out, it only tests the I think it only tests the corners if it's next to a, uh, the corners, not on the side or whatever. So um it's doing a lot of P point calls, and those are not the, the fastest thing. Anyway, you actually published the source code here, and it's not very long. Like, it's what? No. 10, it's 12 lines, maybe? And some yeah, of that's the yeah, native mode yeah. patch? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not very long. And uh, and if you change uh, the one poke in line zero, um, you can run this on a Cocoa 1 and 2. Yeah. If you want to take, like, 40 hours to generate instead of only 20. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Next up, I, I didn't do, know. Do it on the emulator. Put, yeah. I didn't know if I was going to put this in the game section or in the regular news. I decided to put it in the regular news and then I just kind of threw another one in because it's kind of the same theme. Because <clears throat> Jim Gary posted a screenshot here. He's working on a new version of Backgammon, but he's using the SG6 graphics mode, which for those who don't know, that's a uh, semi graphics mode a little bit higher than the standard set reset graphics you see. So it gives you 64 by 48 instead of 64 by 32, but it only gives you four colors. And here he's mixing with some text character stuff. So the MC10 is getting a slightly high-res version of backgammon with some like graphical dice and graphical, you know, your pieces and the board, et cetera, which actually looks pretty good. Using That's the pretty green, cool. The green cross-hatching, you know, using the sections of the uh, characters here actually makes it look kind of like a real backgammon board. Quite well, quite you know, this is as good as you get on some of the video game systems of the day, so. Yeah, yeah. So he's working on that, and then at the same, well, not quite the same time, a couple of days later, he actually posted this. This is a, uh, a more text-based. He did throw in some graphics in here. This is just straight SG4. <clears throat> but this is based on the original computer backgammon published in 1978 by Scott Adams. No, not Dilbert Scott Adams, but Adventure International Scott Adams. So this is one of the earliest versions of computer backgammon in BASIC. And, and Jim ported that with some enhancements for the MC-10, too. And it's actually a five-minute video showing a little bit of gameplay. I haven't played backgammon so long, I've completely forgotten how it even works. So I'll have to let one of you guys try it out and let me know. Next up for the MC-10, Tony Jewell, who's going to be at the uh, 40th anniversary of the Dragon next week, and he's also going to be bringing some MC-10s, and he's uh, going to be exhibiting at the Retro Computer Festival as well. Uh, wants to show off some games on his MC10, which does not have the memory expansion pack, does not have an SD, blah, blah, blah. There's a few of those. And he wants to know what would be the best recommended games that will run on a 4K MC10. So, of course, Jim Gary gave him an entire spreadsheet listing of everything he's done that's in 4K. There's been some other suggestions, too. Uh, Simon mentioned he's got a little demo that runs in 4K that might be impressive to show off. Um, for those of you that actually do use the MC10 or the MC10 emulators with MC10 regularity, is there any games that or programs, demos, etc., that really stand out to any of you that would run on a 4K MC10? Nothing good runs in the 4K. deafening silence means. That's going to take a think. No, he should make it so that uh, it includes the uh, memory card. Yeah, because honestly, most the most impressive stuff like the Port of Space yeah. Assault and the Pac-Man game all require 16K. Yeah, yeah. Even Anyone's... the original uh, 
Lost Valley Pinball. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he probably doesn't have a memory cartridge. Yeah, because I think if I remember correctly, all the Tandy games sold for 4K were written in basic. They were just like cassettes with basic programs on them. Yeah. I mean, you could do some machine language games on a 4K. We even had a few on the Coco 1 and 2. Like Scarfman was a machine language 4K game. I remember. And then. uh, Was Double Back 4K? No, uh, kind of. It ran on a 4K machine, but it was it had the game code on a ROM cartridge with its own memory. So you're kind of. Oh, I see your point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, this this had to be run running 4K RAM, but it wasn't uh, a 4K. Oh, RAM. Uh, Galactic yeah. Attack uh, fit in 4K, didn't it? Yeah, but same thing. It, the if you take the graphics screen and the variables it uses itself, and then you add in the actual ROM code, that's too big to fit on 4K MC10, which of course doesn't have a ROM cartridge slot. Mm, so okay. Scarfman is one that actually did. I think Shootout at the OK Galaxy by Avalon Hill was another machine language game that did run in 4K off tape. There's a couple others from way, way back, but not not a lot of them. Um, but yeah, if anybody has any suggestions there or has played a lot of the Jim Gary games and has their own personal favorites, I think it would show off the machine. Send suggestions uh, to Tony Jewell on the MC10 Facebook group. That graphics high-res tech stuff I did takes 2K by itself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it's and the fact that even when you put the 16K in, you couldn't extend the graphics past the 4K boundary really crippled it. Oh God! Next up, I did know to put this in the game section or in the regular section. I decided on the regular section because this is more about collecting uh, versus games per se. So Chris Poacher runs the Microdeal, the 8-bit years, which basically covers all games that Microdeal published. Now, Microdeal is quite famous for doing a lot of Dragon stuff, but they later expanded for Commodore 64 and Atari and BBC Micro and a bunch of others, too. So he's, his goal has been to get every single release of every single game or program that Microdeal ever did. And in this case, he's tracked down the Tandy version of racer ball which itself is a conversion of a spectral associates ghost gobbler so it's a pac-man clone for the dragon but pac-man for some reason was a game that got sued a lot if you cloned it in the uk so there's a lot of versions of pac-man on various platforms in the early days that all had to change their graphics around and stuff to get around this for some reason they didn't hit as hard in the states which is a bit surprising um but basically they just change it so you got this racing ball thing you're running around eating stuff and dots etc but uh, it, this was published in several different versions. So the one that he already had was specifically for the Dragon 32. is labeled, you know, Microdeal Dragon 32 game. This is the one where it's Microdeal licensed to Tandy because Tandy actually sold Microdeal uh, software in the Radio Shack stores in the UK. So you can see your man, custom manufactured by Microdeal for Tandy Corporation. Uh, and then the Tandy Tierra City Color Computer banner on the top, which would have been a Dragon 32 or Dragon 32 64, et cetera or you know, whatever platforms they were on. So this is something Tandy in the States never did, or Canada, or Australia. Well, I guess Australia did. You guys actually did sell some third-party stuff, few, including yeah. Nix. Yeah. But in the United States and Canada, nope. You just got to see what uh, the official quote-unquote Tandy releases were, which I still think was a mistake, but that's me. Yeah, they've, they've got the spelling of color uh, is correct? Yes. You notice that eagle eye Nick there. <laughs> and Racer Ball is an interesting take on the on the original Ghost Cup. It's the same engine, just graphic shapes have changed, but it, it does look fairly different at first glance. And of course, in the UK, uh, Tandy is 
is actually Tandy, the, 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 not known as Radio Shack. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I misspoke there. Sorry. You're right. You're fine. <laughs> and Fred, you'll have to tell me what you uploaded here because I keep seeing this blinking thing coming up on the Facebook pages. So I'll let you explain that a little bit later as soon as I finish sure. these last few stories. Um, so next up, John Linney. Um, we talked last week that one of the uh, original people that worked with Dragon before the Dragon was actually released uh, had joined the Facebook group, the Dragon Facebook group. And uh, I think he might even be showing up at the show, actually, uh, next week. But another luminary from back in the day, John Linney, has also joined up. And he said, nice to be here. I worked on software as part of the R&D team starting in 1983. But he stayed there longer. So he was involved with the Dragon 32, 64, the Alpha, and the Beta. And if for those of you who know the Alpha and the Beta, those are the much expanded ones that only got you know basically multiple prototypes made, and they've shown some of them at some of the shows before. There was a dual CPU one. There was an MMU and 768K RAM on the Beta, which is meant to be their high-end business system, ran OS 9. So, of course, a few people have hopped in here and uh, mentioned like he helped redesign the ROMs, which had some custom characters uh, that actually had like the Dragon logo, for example, and stuff on it. And... Uh, it, it sounds like he might be at the show too. So there's going to be some, you know, some of the people that helped create the dragon are going to be at this 40th anniversary dragon show by the sounds of it. And I'm going to skip ahead one here. I think it's this one. Yeah. So Duncan Smead, who we had on the show on the dragon special is seen here pictured with John Linney and they've actually got the dragon professional, the alpha on the left there. You can see with the built-in drives and the you know, bigger case, different color keyboards, basically the same. And uh Yeah. I'm really hoping that the you know a bunch of these people that have just kind of rejoined the Dragon community after working on some of the original prototypes, et cetera, back in the early '80s. There, if they're going to be at the Whale Show, that's going to be one hell of a show. That's that's getting like some of the the founders almost of the software and the hardware. So, I'm definitely looking forward to have them coming on for a live report. Hopefully, the bandwidth's good enough. Otherwise, they're going to have to take a ton of pictures and some videos and upload them. We'll have to play them the following week, where we're we're definitely shooting for trying. So next week, crossing our fingers, some live footage from the uh, floor of the Dragon Show. <clears throat> and then also Julian Brown, we covered him last week. He's been doing, he's kind of been doing like Pedro has. He's recreating the Dragon 32 boards. And he's got his first pre-production run of uh, several boards to test and kind of make sure the measurements work out right, and the sockets are in the right place, the solder holes, et cetera. He did have to do some tweaks already since this post. I think he had another post mentioning it, but it's pretty close. And these are close enough that you can make them into workable dragon clones. So uh, a lot of progress being made there. So not only are we getting some options on the Coco from Pedro, et cetera, for, you know, getting a Coco 3 motherboard duplicated once the Gimme X, once well, the chip shortage is back to the normal, that we can replace the Gimme, which is the one pretty well impossible chip to replace. Uh, we can start getting prices of getting a Coco 3 and hardware back down to reasonable levels instead of the eBay $300, $500 we're seeing now. Dragon, same thing. Uh, they're working on recreating the Dragon motherboards here too. And I know they've been actually fiddling, uh, John Whitworth and others have been fiddling with trying to recreate the Dragon Beta and the Dragon Alpha, like some of the more advanced machines that never got publicly released, just went to the prototype stage. So lots of uh, recreated hardware happening on both sides of the pond, which is really, really cool to see. And the next one here, this was actually this morning. So I broke my own rule of uh, having all the news posted up the night before that we're going to start trying for getting discussion topics because we had a restricted show today. We kind of just winged it as normal. And who knows, we may end up doing that anyway. 
But Adrian Sinclair says, uh, can you tell what it is yet? And of course, it's the featured game. The dragon version of the featured game is this next week at the show in Wales, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Dragon 32 and 64, the Dragon 32 in particular, with the game that they've selected and a game that just got released, the Dragon, the Halloween edition here literally this past week. So karma all the way around, everything's going well. And then Adrian mentioned that you need some more garish green there to properly get the proper VDG feel to the background here. So <laughs> that's what he's working on now. That's a real Halloween game. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is the prize that they've referred to, that whoever wins the game playing competition of Ghost Rush is going to get, or if that's something totally different. Could be a trophy for all I know, but uh, it's just cool seeing you know, you know people creating artwork here and, and also the fact that you know a new game for the Dragon at the 40th anniversary of the Dragon Show, along with a few others like Ken Reichard's uh, Robot Nightmare, etc. So on both sides of the pond, the the, the six and nine Coco VDG Sam type machines are all getting new software. Uh, recreation hardware is being built so that you know prices that are going astronomically high on uh, eBay hopefully will not be a hindrance to people joining the hobby with actual hardware instead of having to run emulators because that's all you can afford to run. So a lot of exciting stuff happening. And I will stop sharing because that was the end of my news segment. But uh, Fred, I will mention, as I mentioned before, that I saw some pop-ups. You uploaded something to Facebook. Do you want to share what that is? Yeah, it was It was actually the same thing that I uploaded to you on, on Discord. Uh, it was um, the most recent uh, uh, update to the control panel uh, for uh, Nitrous 9 EOU. Um, if I can just share my screen real quick, it'll just take sure. a minute. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Thanks. I haven't had a chance um, to run it yet, so this will be the first yeah. time I'm seeing it too. So, so here's uh, you know here's G Shell, and uh, you hit Control, and boom. So, um, really, all I did on this update was it, there's just a few bug fixes. Um, before, uh, when you like clicked on something and entered a new value, okay. Um, if suppose you didn't enter a value and just hit enter, it would blank out and that field would become null. And, um, that's not the right way to handle it. <laughs> so, um, now if you just hit enter, uh, then it doesn't change anything. The, the, uh, the original value is refilled into that field and it does the same thing if you hit break. Um, so if you don't hit, if you don't type in anything, say you just clicked on something by mistake, okay, and then you and you don't want to change it, then you can just hit either break or enter, and the original value will be refilled into the field. Um, so it's like that for pretty much anything where you enter stuff into the keyboard. So like if you want to change the the RBF devices that display on G Shell. Um, you know, if you just hit enter, it just closes out and nothing changes. Uh, it okay. didn't do that before. So yeah, I think it actually just wiped it out, right? Yeah, it just wiped it out. <laughs> and <laughs> that wasn't good. the right way to handle it. So yeah, <laughs> I, I fixed that. So that's that's all there is, um, really. Um, just a few other minor things that uh, aren't really visible behind the scenes that I fixed. But but yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm at a point now where Oh, by the way, I'm calling this uh, G-Shell. No, not G-Shell. What am I saying? Control 
uh, 3.0 beta 3. Um, it's pretty stable. I mean, I, I don't know of any other bugs out there. So um, we're getting close to it being done. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, there you go. Yep. And I'm just starting to get back a little bit on on getting back to you. I made a big spreadsheet of all the updates. I've got to amalgamate together and copy to the various disk images and installs and some special programming notes I got to do. I will mention that Alan Murphy has actually tackled a project that I keep promising myself I'm going to do and never have. Because um, some people come to EOU like they pop in today and they find out about EOU. They download it. And the last thing they've used Nitrous 9 wise was like 3.3.0 off the GitHub or whatever. And there's a lot of changes. And it's been cumulative through six alphas, or sorry, four alphas, six betas, and now the new version one that will be coming out. <clears throat> and before, if you wanted to find out all what had changed, you'd have to go through all my little readmes from all 11 versions and read them all together. So uh, Alan's been working on amalgamating them together. So like if you're coming from 3.30, you can just read one doc file that has everything that's been changed. And some of them have been changes to changes. So, I mean, there's some stuff I did in the alphas that I changed completely how it worked in beta two or something like that. So he's also going to be removing all that duplication of like a, different updates to the same thing. He's only going to have the most recent one so that you'll be able to look at the stock and kind of pare it down and, and know exactly what has changed and what you need to know about that has changed from the original 3.30. And I'll still be submitting some of these changes back. Tormod's actually got a hold of me recently too. Like he said he's going to be doing another release to the Nitrous 9 official repo, uh, including some of the updates and uh bug fixes and stuff that Bill and I have done over the last four years. Uh, so they'll be getting an update there too with some other you know, speed ups and other things too. So if you, if you want to stick with just the regular one, because you're say running a 128K and you don't care about GUIs and stuff like that, which is mainly the reason the OU is created was to make it all easy for the user, which I know like Ron has been pretty happy with compared to trying to set up Nitrous 9 from RAW. <laughs> so... Uh, there will be updates for both versions. So if you want to do the, the stock command line stuff and That's roll your own, guess. you'll be getting some of the updated software and drivers and stuff <laughs> in there as well. So so thanks to Alan, thanks to Fred, thanks to Bill, and a bunch of other people. There's still some testers that are finishing some of the basic 9 updates I've done, uh, which is one of the things I've been holding back on. And then I've actually just got to make all the images and merge them together. So it will be out before the end of the year. That's my promise. Okay. Hey, any other project updates? You're just, a quick, just a quick referral uh, on the Dino Wars thing. I said there was a game like it. It's uh, it, There was an arcade game that was uh, then made it to a bunch of consoles. It was called Primal Rage. I have never gotten to play it, but it's much more of a fighting game than Dino Wars was. Okay. And later one, too. That's not an 80s era one, is it? Uh, Super Nintendo, I think, was the one of the consoles that was targeted with That'd it. That'd be late but, 80s and some, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, quite a bit after. Okay, cool. And Rick Ellen, you, you had something to say there, but you're just, just a quick one. Um, I guess relating to the uh, is this going to work? We don't know. <laughs> you see a black there, there we go. go. No, it's okay. Yeah. Highlight them there, Mark, so we can see what's yeah. looking at. <clears throat> If you look at this closely, it may resemble a big multi-pack that's been uh, upgraded with a guillotine paper cutter, because that's what happened to it. Um, this was from an old repack back in the day. I needed a multi-pack to continue my Orc 90 experiments, and unfortunately, this is the only one that works. So what a beauty, eh? Chop. 
Chop. <laughs> <laughs> ah, who needs that part anyway? No, you don't need all them parts. And but hey, it runs. It works. It lives, it really man. It works. And I'm actually uh, able to. It fixed the major problem with the Orc 180, which was it didn't have enough power to run all four channels. So we now have all four channels running up here on the scope, and now I can just figure out why my audio is unbalanced. But anyway, that's uh, the one positive thing I did this week besides installing Windows again and again and again. Happy. That's an awesome CM8 with, uh, with no cover. What <laughs> power supply are you using to run that? See this PC supply hiding back here in the corner? Uh-huh. <laughs> that's powering the MPI with all the things chopped off. But uh -huh. a regular MPI would do. It's just the Coco doesn't have enough milliwatts left well, over. The reason I ask is I have a multi-pack interface, uh, one of the old original silver ones, that, oh, it was untested, no way to test, and yeah, somebody had ruined it, and they, you know, of course, they pawned it off on some unsuspecting person. Mm. Um, so I need a new power supply in it. So if anybody's got suggestions, yeah. Oh, it's it's a pretty easy fix. You just need, you know, plus minus 12 and 5 volts. Um, I think it'll run on just 5 and plus 12. So like a one of those cheesy switching yeah. disk drive supplies. Um, okay. And you just the, you just feed test point plus 5 and test point plus 12 and ground, and it'll spark to life. Okay. If you do it wrong, it will power up the cocoa when you power up the multi-pack, and then you know you've picked the wrong place to... <laughs> I, I thought I'd just go off the uh, power leads on it to the uh, it's, one of those it's, it's got an isolation thing going on so look for those plus 5 and plus 12 test points for the multi-pack itself okay and that's where you want to put the power in and then it won't back feed into the cocoa and do weird things yeah because the buffer chips are powered by the cocoa but the cartridges are actually powered by the MPI Right, yes. and the two five volts cross each other in different places on the board, so you want to make sure you don't get the wrong five volt rail. Folks, this is why I don't do hardware. Now I noticed when you said you didn't have enough power to run it, I noticed that Coco Three's got a old style five twelve K RAM board too. Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're we're. My shop He's computer old school, is folks. as stock as life can be because I'm testing. Yeah, you have to test against you that. You got to do worst stock. possible case. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, so in other words, you're you're burning more power anyway with the uh, the old RAM board, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, realistically, an orchestra card, you need a multi pack anyway because how else yeah, you well, that's true, program right. it? So, how so you mean we're, we're good to go. It's just as as I suspected, a stock Coco can't drive. Four yeah. registers and all the resistor packs. Yeah. What it's already got to do. Or a multi-pack. Yeah. So, so it's working, basically, you said. Yeah. Yeah. I've just got to get the audio balanced out so that it's all musical and not. You know, not like David music. Ladd compared to the rest of us in the panel introducing ourselves. Gotcha. Anybody else have any updates or acquisitions that we're talking about? Ahead, one more Dick. question for Patrick, and that's the uh, prototype, which is the uh, the long card. The final one will be that. Oh no, oh, yeah, this is this is as heavy as it can ever be. Through hole chips. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Load it up. So let's see. Do we have a? Uh, 
Well, it's it's not loaded up right now, but yeah, it's it, this is just the the worst case scenario. I want to test it. Maybe we can do some funny things for you. We have two lower frequency channels that make really good bass and two higher frequency channels, so you can get higher highs on those two. Yeah, you know, there's things I want to play with. So this will let us do some things. And but first, I got to get it all working before I ship you one, and then say, oh yeah, all you got to do, Nick, is solder this. And Nick will say, what? Solder? Huh? Me? Uh, he's he's better at soldering than me. He he might have a chance. Well, maybe, but you know, you don't want to order on someone else's stuff because you don't know how crazy they are. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, does anybody else have any? All uh, you got to do here? is re-engineer the cocoa. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. Go ahead. <laughs> does does anybody else have any project updates or acquisitions? Because I do know Mark wants to get out of here shortly. So. Yeah. Go watch uh, Ron's Garage sometime. See you. Yeah, we'll have to get an update. We haven't heard an update from you on what, well, what's all happening on your page for a while. So we won't do it today because Mark's pressed for time. But yep. Just go look. And and and, and welcome back, Rick Adams. Uh, first time you've hey. been on the show in quite a while. Thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Greetings <laughs> <laughs> and salutations. And now we can all be confused again because. I keep trying to answer. Yeah, now I got two Ricks and two Marks. I'm just going to screw my head up here. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the reference to flies earlier. Uh, oh, yeah, we forgot to mention what exactly we're talking about there. Yeah, like, well, mm -hmm. on, people that follow me on Facebook, they know that uh, uh, in our dining hall, in our uh, apartment building, I live in the old folks' home, basically. Uh, and uh, so a couple of months ago, we had some problems with some, some flies in the dining hall. So I killed two of them. And their their mangled corpses uh, landed on the windowsill right next to our table. Well, two or three months later, they're still there. So <laughs> we had a community update meeting where we get to complain about things. And I said, you know, well, you know, they've been there so long, I've named them. I've named them Ruth and Clyde. And we need to be ruthless about dealing with this situation. And they agreed with me. And they loved my obvious pun. Uh, but a week later, nothing had been done. So I have placed two small little, uh, you know, signs next to them saying Clyde and Ruth, just so, you know, people can remember them. <laughs> <laughs> and two days later, those signs are still there. So we're all waiting to see how long will it take them to figure out what I've done. So that's the story. <laughs> Some smart. both funny, depressing, and disgusting all at the same time. <laughs> you know, some smart Alec intern is going to remove Ruth, so you'll be ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they were cockroaches, they might move a little quicker. They should, anyway. Yeah, you would think. So, yeah. So we're all very, very amused slash disgusted by this. Yeah, because you said it's in the dining area, right? Right, right next to my, right next to our table to provide so, festive decorations for our for our evening meal. So, so we have so like what, two what two month old not? sky raisins sitting there. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're there much longer, you should put up a tiny little Christmas tree, <laughs> <laughs> or, or make their own little table and chairs or something. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and I mean, if you saw the pictures of, of this on uh, Facebook, they're gross. They're really gross. <laughs> yeah. So what else aren't they cleaning? Uh, that, that does anything. That question. Yeah. Yeah. Darn it. 
Yeah. Well, I guess thanks for sharing that. Um, <laughs> I was going to go eat after this. I'm not so sure now. <laughs> Anybody else have any uh, updates, acquisitions, funny dead fly stories? Your monitor is seriously shaped like an open book behind you. That one or this one? Yeah, yeah. The one is just about to fall off the edge. <laughs> no, it's actually, that's an optical illusion. It's got like this much over the lip and like this much on the shelf. So it would take one of these, uh, what, you know, tornadoes that Rick experienced to knock it off. What brand is that, by the way? That's a Magnavox 8515. Composite monitor, and one. green screen and RGB analog all in one. It's awesome. Uh, I, I had one of those. Mm. They were, it was awesome. Yeah. Sadly, it uh, didn't survive the trip to Utah. <laughs> Mm. Those are the monitors that uh, Marty Good Marty Goodman used to call maggot box, right? Well, he, he had a neck or something, didn't he? He had something else that he liked, or something. Yeah, he something. had a multi fancy multi sync or something. He had something really nice. It's some fancy Sony yeah. one he used to type. Nobody up could afford that. but Marty. <laughs> I have a neck multi sync too. That was on my uh, TC9. It's even better quality RGB, but it doesn't do composite. So he had an anesthesiologist taste. So so. Uh, Rocky Hill put a nice update in the chat. Uh, thanks to Mr. Dave's motherboard donation for Coco Science, he's pretty far along recreating the T1 Coco 2. Oh, cool. The true lowercase hmm. Coco 2 then. Nice. Pretty soon it, it won't be such an issue. You won't need to go to eBay and shell up half a grand to get a Coco 3 and some of the other rare Cocos there. You at least get you know hardware that works the same. I mean, some people are collectors. They want the original hardware. I do understand that. But a lot of people want to get in the hobby just to actually run the things like they did in the old days to play the games, to run operating systems, do programming, whatever else. And it's become unaffordable. So everybody's running emulators and emulators, are, as Nick well knows and I well know, are not perfect. All right. One of the privileges of the Cocoa was, well, that didn't work. Need another Cocoa. And it didn't cost your life fortune. <laughs> and you had parts. Yeah. And then you had parts yeah. for your new Cocoa. Where you can't do that with a PC and you can't do that with a Coco anymore because they cost 500 bucks. Yeah. As soon as you heard the uh, uh, the cassette tape relay click, you knew you were in trouble. Oh, by itself? Click, click. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, if nobody else has any stories to share, and I know Mark wants to get out of here, and we're just about on time for his uh, mm -hmm. high end of the uh, what he wanted to be on for. <laughs> So, okay, well, let me run the outro then. This concludes another episode of Cocoa Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. Yeah, no streaming problems today either. Dragons. This is the dawning of the age of asparagus. Age of asparagus. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, no, even that. segments via email to Cocoa Talk at CocoaTalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weaver, Curtis Moore, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Riker, 
Jim Brain, Ken Riker, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Ulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! Okay. And no broadcast problems, and Zoom seemed to like my 500K upload. Hmm. On the other show we've done in a while. Yeah, it went pretty smooth. What did that's, that's what did cool. you do? <laughs> what did you do to get this? To kind of... I don't know. And re, and restream is still. Uh, well, at least earlier when I checked it, it was it was still looking cranky. But are you still, still broadcasting right now, or are we off air now? No, we're still broadcasting. So why don't we say okay. goodbye, and then we'll yeah. push the button. Bye. See you all next week. Bye. Hopefully, we'll have live Bye, coverage everybody. from the Dragon Show in Wales. Hopefully, yay.